Happy Thursday, good morning. And this is how we are starting off. It is Throwback Thursday, taking you back in the day for praise and worship this morning. Taking it back to the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s with a little Grace Thrillers. If you're from Jamaica or from the Caribbean, you are pretty familiar with this gospel group. Acclaimed gospel group. Gotta bless the space this morning. If you live in the diaspora and you're from a Caribbean household, you already know how it goes down on a Sunday morning. You dare not tell your mother or your grandmother you are not going to church. You better get your behind up. Get ready. Let's go. But all you got to do is go to Jesus. Talk to him. And with each prayer. And I tell you something, we have to appreciate those days because it, you know, it resonates with us. And though we may depart, we do not forget. This is one of my favorites from the Grace Thrillers. Can't even walk without you holding my hand. The mountain, the mountain is too high in the valley. Down on my knees. Because oh, yes, I can't even do what? Without you, thank you, Jesus. Can't even walk without you holding my hand. No 
number one would surely be me. I thought I could be what I wanted to be. I thought of myself as a mighty. Gotta say good morning to everyone logged on and listening online. The Quality Music Zone and JohnNoRadio.com. Are we gonna turn it up a little bit? If you have never been to a Caribbean dance, specifically a Jamaican dance, you know, I tell you this much: they gotta bless the space. Before the craziness goes on, right? <laughs> and even in the middle of the dance, they will drop a gospel here and there. Yep. Mm-hmm. the weekend hope we can help to get you ready hope your week is going good so far it is 10 after the top of the hour we're gonna have the headlines coming up shortly
squeeze in another one the next one coming up living waters i remember this one and it has stuck with me since 1980 um, <clears throat> 1980 something <laughs> i'll never forget because i was asked to choreograph a set a dance routine for a program so yeah this was a song that was requested I never forget it I was in high school at the time I used to dance a lot Father, Father, Father. It's a quarter past the top of the hour. We're going to go ahead and let you know what's going on in around the world. Thank you so much, Grace Thrillers, for taking us down memory lane. 
for a praise and worship segment. Gotta say good morning once again to everyone logged on and listening online. The Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com, on the non-stop party vibe station, JanoRadio.com. And of course, I have to say good morning to my studio audience, courtesy of Clubhouse. It is Thursday, April 27th, Throwback Thursday, hashtag TBT, and it is music in retrospect today. Thank you so much for joining me for Coffee in Tow, World News on the Go. We do this every Monday through Friday. Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. This is where I read the news and we share our views. And here's what we have coming up for you today. Out of the Caribbean corner, New Bahamian Digital Assets Bill, available for public consultation. Out of Belize, drug-laced treats. Oh my gosh, I can't believe they did this. But these drug-laced treats landed in a children's hospital in dominica magistrate to sentence u.s national on gun-related charges in guyana commercial quantities of oil have been found five reasons to vacation in saint lucia the jamaica teachers teachers association island-wide is still waiting for april salaries hmm for some teachers wow i wonder what's taking so long uh most canadian farm workers say they are satisfied quote unquote with working conditions and that's according to carl samuda the labor ministry is also reporting that 200 million dollars has been set aside for poverty relief programs jamaicans yet to reap lng benefits from jps and uh, a woman I can't, this is a be, believe it or not segment within the Caribbean corner. A pr- woman has been chopped in her private parts over sex. Really, man? Really? Really? Is that what we're doing now? Out of Latin America, Chile bets on becoming world lithium leader as demand rises. Out of North America, DeSantis has certainly taken the place of Donald Trump because it's just about him. And if it's not about him, it's about the craziness in Florida. DeSantis to address Israel amid the country's tumult and rise of anti-Semitism back home. Uh, Florida Republican Senator files to amend resign to run law ahead of Governor DeSantis's potential 2024 presidential bid. You know, oh, the hypocrisy. Hmm. I guarantee you, if it were, a, if the, uh, what you may call, if DeSantis was a, a Democrat, they would not be seeking to do that. Hmm. You know what? Let me keep it moving. A man has been arrested in decades old rapes in Michigan and Pennsylvania after DNA from a coffee cup linked him to the crimes. Hmm. You can run, but you certainly can't hide. And these are the benefits of technology, right? And science. Well, senators to introduce bill aimed at strengthening ethical guidelines in the Supreme Court. (laughs) In business and tech news, um, grandma didn't pay her taxes. We're going to talk about that. In health and science news, we have the abortion care issue that we're going to bring to the forefront as well. In sports news, we're going to talk about the NBA playoffs. 
Yep, U.S. long jumper Tara Davis Woodhall has been stripped of a national title and serves one month suspension after positive cannabis test. All I'm going to say is athletes learn from what happened to Shikari, right? You have to take heed, right? What means more to you? And I understand, believe me, I understand the argument that Cannabis is not really a drug unless it's synthetic or laced with something, in my opinion, at least. All right. So I'm going to talk about that. And um, <laughs> we're going to review. I want to review the song by Ed Sheeran because Marvin Gaye, his family's at it again. Right. Is it that they're sitting down and listening for every song that comes out to see? <laughs> yep. Let's bank on that. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. But we're going to have the details of these stories and more coming up after the music break. And now it is time for us to get back to some old school dance hall reggae. Here is Tennessee starting it, starting it off for us. It is hashtag TBT throwback Thursday. Music in retrospect. Try to take life for a time. Some may do good, lots, some doing bad. And this kind of bad doing's driving me mad. Cause when sunshine today, I go on my knees and pray. I said, Lord, send it tomorrow. I said, Lord, let me have joy. Never let me have sorrow. I said, Lord, let me have joy. All the time, whoa Lord, you are my helping hand You alone I'm depending on I said, Lord, you are my helping hand And you alone I'm depending on Cause life is one big road With a lots of signs Sign in both sides I'm gonna make up my mind To face reality all the time, whoa My brothers and my sisters up your mind, my brothers and my sisters, make up your mind, make up your mind, you don't wait on time, you better make up your mind, make up your mind, because if you stay too long, then you're gonna be late, you're gonna be late, so life is one big road with a lot of Yes, indeed. Many signs along the way as we journey through this thing called life. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, 
Hopefully, we'll all be able to unite. We don't always have to like each other, but at least we can respect each other. One bright day. The voice of Ziggy Marley and the Melody Makers. One bright day.
I too optimistic? I don't know. Not give up hope. You want to call me a dreamer? That's okay, but one bright day. It is time for us to go ahead and get started, and we are kicking it off in the Caribbean corner. Thank you, Ziggy Marley and the Melody Makers. Gotta say good morning once again to everyone all around the world. Logged on to the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com, and everyone listening on JanoRadio.com. Of course, I have to say good morning to my studio audience, courtesy of Clubhouse. It is Thursday, April 27th, Throwback Thursday, Music in Retrospect. Thank you once again for joining me for Coffee in Tow, World News on the Go. Let us go ahead and get into it. Thank you, Coffee. Thank you so much. Out of the Caribbean Cornell. Corner New Bahamian Digital Assets Bill available for public consultation. The story is courtesy of Caribbean.loopnews.com. The Securities Commission of the Bahamas has published the revised digital assets and registered exchanges called the DARE Bill. 
2023 for public consultation. The amendments to the 2020 law seeks to expand the definition and list of digital asset business activities and include consumer and investor protection, risk management, market innovation and development provisions. The bill also strengthens financial and reporting requirements for digital asset businesses and requirements related to custody and custodial wallet services, operating a digital asset exchange, providing advice on and management of digital assets, provision of staking services, and a comprehensive approach to the regulation of stablecoins. International law firm Hogan Lovells was engaged by the commission to draft the new DARE bill. Um, that's all well and good Bahamas, but there's something else I think that is very urgent that needs a lot of attention. And we spoke about it was either last week or the week before, not sure. But I'm still waiting to hear you come forward and say something about an amendment to the bill that is on your book since Wapikil Philip long time ago as it relates to rape within a marriage and that a woman cannot cry rape against her husband because you all claim that there is no rape in marriage. So until y'all address that, I, nothing y'all say right now matters to me at least. Let me, you know, let me, let me behave myself. Yeah, that's all I must say. But you got to do what you got to do. Fix that though. We're going to hop on over to Belize for our next story. Drug-laced treats lands children in hospital. You know, I read it wrong earlier, right? <laughs> I'm just catching myself. <laughs> My coffee not... You know what? Stick to your brand of coffee, folks. If there is one particular brand that you are accustomed to having, stick with it. So I switched coffee brands. So I normally get Cafe Bustelo. Um, and it really wakes you up. It's Cuban coffee. It wakes the life up out of you. And yes, don't knock me. How can I be drinking Cuban coffee if I'm from Jamaica? Jamaica has the best. I can't afford Jamaican coffee. Plain and simple. Cannot afford it. So Cuban coffee is the next best thing. So Cafe Bustelo is owned by the same people who own Mipilon, if you're familiar with those two brands of coffee. So it normally works. But anyway, I decided, okay, I'm going to try Nescafe. It ain't working for me. I'm not knocking you Nescafe. I'm just saying it doesn't work for me. So they say stick to the evil that you know. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't read this headline properly earlier, so my apologies. I thought the it read... <laughs> I thought what I saw was that the laced drugs, the treats that are laced with drugs ended up in a hospital for children. So, no, that is not what it said. It is drug laced treats lands children in hospital. All right. So forgive me for my error, folks. Story courtesy of Caribbean.loopnews.com. Let me quit talking and get back to it. The saying, do not take candy from strangers became a parent's worst nightmare in Belize when several adults and children fell ill after ingesting drug-infused candies. A report from the Carl Hausner uh, Memorial Hospital indicates that its mass casualty code was triggered yesterday after seeing a high number of students admitted to its accident and emergency unit after seemingly consuming said treats. 
27 children between the ages of 5 to 15 years have been examined at the KMKHMH along with four adults who appeared to be intoxicated. At the time of the incident, some of the children were unresponsive and unconscious. Presently, all children and adults are in stable condition. Initial information is that the treats were purchased from two individuals who are now in police custody, along with some recovered items. During their interviews, the suspects claimed that the treats were purchased from another source. The Commissioner of Police has instructed that a thorough investigation be conducted to identify the primary source of the product. The Office of the Prime Minister has instructed that a full and thorough investigation be conducted to determine the source of some sweet treats, and they have been confirmed to be laced with marijuana. The treats were collected for forensic analysis along with urine samples. The Minister of Health and Wellness has dispatched public health uh, inspectors and NDACC case officers have been also dispatched to the primary school that has been affected. The ministry advises parents and guardians to monitor their children for signs and symptoms of vomiting, abdominal pain, dehydration, profuse sweating. Based on the signs and and symptoms, the presumptive diagnosis is that of marijuana intoxication. If anyone presents these uh -uh suggestions, or I'm sorry, these symptoms, they should visit their nearest health facility. This is such a shame that um, you're doing this and it has ended up in the hands of children, unfortunately. Because, yeah, you know, we can go out there innocently, purchase gummy bears or whatever for our children and someone with malicious intent has um, caused harm to our children, unfortunately. Hopefully, everyone will um, be okay. Hopefully. Next up, we head on over to Dominica, magistrate to sentence U.S. national on gun-related charges. Story courses of Caribbean.loopnews.com. A magistrate will on May 5 sentence an American national after he pleaded guilty to being in possession of a firearm as well as several rounds of ammunition without being the holder of the required license. Jason James Grog. James Grog sounds so close to James Gray. <laughs> Where's James, by the way? Okay, so Jason James Grog has been remanded at the Stock Farm Prison. He's also jointly charged with his wife, Jennifer, on a charge of trafficking. She, too, has been remanded to prison until May 5. The court heard that on April 17, the Anti-Crime Task Force obtained a search warrant to search the premises of Grog 44, originally, originally from Logansport, Indiana, and now resident of Dominica. Police, as well as members of the Customs and Excise Division, searched the premises where a Glock 19 pistol fitted with a laser sight and one loaded Glock 9mm magazine containing 15 rounds of ammunition were found. He was cautioned but told the law enforcement officials that it's mine. I was the one who purchased it in the States. According to the police, the accused said that he had 
in his possession the keys for a 40-foot container situated on the compound of a church west of here. The container was subsequently seized by customs. Ah, uh, okay. You know, before I share my thoughts, let me move on. The court heard that the container was searched in the presence of the accused and his attorney and um, inside a plastic container containing 17 20-gauge Winchester ammunition inside a black plastic flower pot was found. The search also revealed 120 rounds of other ammunition. So, a couple of questions. How did that get through customs? A container. They don't search containers or scan them or something. Or is it because he's was a is or is a U.S. citizen? His container is allowed to go through. What is the process? What are the procedures? What's the protocol over there in Dominica for containers that are being brought in by anyone, regardless of your citizenship status or your status in the country? your rank, whatever. To me, this um, has highlighted a huge issue. Laxity. Cracks in the system. Loopholes. People find, you know, and we know what it is. You grease somebody's palm and you get your container released to you. Good morning, Dono. Morning, morning, morning. I think in some countries... They don't search every container. They might randomly search some, or I think it depends on something to do with the custom software. Sometimes they give you a green light, yellow, red, whatever, depending on, I guess, where it's coming from or various factors. And then after that, some are just randomly selected. Okay. So in jurisdiction where there is not like a lot of activity, like people bringing in a lot of guns and stuff, it's possible you can get a container coming where it's not like thoroughly searched or so. You also also look at the cost of searching every container and what that would mean for a lot of the overheads and all stuff like that. So if you don't see something as a security threat, you may not really like search every single one. You might just randomly select. Hmm. So, um, Donald, Valid points. So let me ask the question. So was it last week they had the meeting of the mines in Trinidad and Tobago um, with how they are going to counter um, crime and get a grip of the gun situation, especially illegal firearms and ammunition in the Caribbean? And I understand the cost factor, but I am sure governments should be able to allocate funds to cover the cost so it doesn't affect the importer because what's more important what is more important the lives we're going to save which might very well be our own or worrying about the cost if we are serious about cleaning up we are going to have to make provision for it but moments at the same time if you're a government that has a host of issues to deal with, limited resources, and you're governing a country that has five shooting deaths a year. Are you going to deploy your resources to be searching every container for drug for, for guns? 
So yeah, so it, it, it becomes relative, you know? I see what you're Places saying. This is like Jamaica where you have, you know, high incident, maybe Trinidad. But most of the other Caribbean islands, you really don't want to put too much resources there. Imagine you're spending all this money and you're fighting five guns a year, you know, and you, you, you don't have a high moderate and stuff. So it's in theory, it's nice. But practically, when you have limited resources, you try to utilize it as best possible. And you know that is a risk you'll take. But sometimes you have to take calculated risk when you have the power. Okay, fair enough. I can see through that argument. So what if we say, I guess I'm being unreasonable. My thought process is unreasonable. When you think about the cost factor, I do get it. And the lack of resources, so we say. But I think it's easier for illicit um, items to come through when we talk about foreigners. Foreigners always get away with murder, so to speak, right? They're, all, they're always the ones who get the breaks. For, okay, so you're from Dominica. I'm not from there. You're going back. What's the likelihood they're going to search you versus me? It's a higher probability, right? But I, so I know this, you know this, so you will probably say to me, hey, you're coming in as a foreigner, they're not going to search you, so deal with this for me. Let me play devil advocate. Go now. right ahead. <laughs> so when most of your investors are foreigners, do you want to give them a hard time coming in when they're coming in to put money in your economy and employing people? Do you want to deter them by stressing them over continents uh, you come in as a legitimate business person you're putting millions in the, in the economy you're hiring locals and stuff first of all you already have your tax-free um, concessions etc do you really want to put another huddle to stress them out when they're trying to do business to it's, make e the ease of doing business difficult it's not that we're trying to put a hurdle to make it difficult for them but we're also sending a message to them donald that we are not going to allow you because of your money we're not going to allow you to come and destroy our country i think the precedence has to be set i think in the caribbean we're so desperate for investment right that we are willing to um bend over backwards unreasonably um if, if the rules are set, for example, let's say we want to move to Finland and we want to invest in Finland and they say these are the rules, these are the prerequisites, these are the things you have to follow. I'm sure we're going to abide by it. So why is it that in the Caribbean we're always so lax when it comes to foreigners coming in to invest? They're the ones who will kill us, destroy us. Well, maybe they have other mitigating arms. Um factors to, to, to check up on those things. Maybe that's why they find the container. So maybe they may not be scanning everything, but they probably do it other due diligence or they have other ways of monitoring stuff. So you never know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Okay, so let me check the chat. Sonet says that makes sense, especially with employment shortage being so rampant. So Sonet is agreeing with what you're saying, um, Donald. Also, Sonette went on to say, I think they would only search if they had a tip that there was something in that shipment. Hmm. Interesting, though, that this container was sitting. He, he, he knew what was in there. He was very deliberate with his actions. He knew what was in there and 
he had it sitting on the compound of a church. Hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Okay. So, can we say we are going to be able to just rely on tips? Um, do they have... You're from Dominica, right, Donald? Do they have a scanning machine in um, at the port, even one, where every container can get scanned? No, I'm, I'm not from Dominica. I'm from oh, Grenada. Grenada, sorry. Is, you have to look at everything in context. Dominica have like 45,000 people or something like that. I mean, it's you know, foreign investments and stuff, maybe. I don't, even, I don't believe they have that much. Okay. You have an economy that's probably driven mostly locally. So, as I said, it's a, it's, a, it's a difficult call, but it's usually a, a give and take. Okay. And maybe they may not do it the way you, you say, but they probably have ways of checking these things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in local community, if you have reasonable intelligence, you're going to find out what's going on in any case. Yeah, you're right. Okay. I stand down. <laughs> Uh, Sonetta and Donald for the win. <laughs> Moments, the loss. Okay. I, 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 reasonable arguments all around. I, I can't negate that, definitely. All right. So moving right along. Uh, Guyana is next up. Uh, commercial quantities of oil found at Guyana's Lancet Fish One Well. Story courtesy of Caribbean.loopnews.com. Hess Corporation has announced today, the dis well, yesterday, I should say, the discovery of oil at the Lancet Fish One well in the Stabroik block offshore Guyana. The company, which has a 30% shareholding of the block, announced the development in its estimated results for the first quarter of 2023. The Lancet Fish One Well encountered approximately 92 feet of oil-bearing sandstone reservoir. The well was drilled in 5,843 feet of water by the noble Don Taylor and is located approximately four miles southeast of the Fangtooth discovery. On the flip side, Hess said the Kokwari One exploration well, which was drilled a few months ago, did not encounter commercial quantities of hydrocarbons let me ask a question if i own beachfront property in any island in the caribbean and let us say i wanted to explore and i found um oil what happens do i have to turn it over <laughs> to the government what happens in that case just wondered you can um keep it quiet and just secretly um sorry oil don't let anyone know okay but how am i going to be able to do that without the huge equipment and then raising suspicion and then you know because you own something until somebody raises an alarm or expresses interest and then the government comes snooping around and then all of a sudden they want to take it over how do we do that quietly though I'm sure there's a way you can get you can get um, a discreet equipment and just you can drill like at night time when everyone's sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering because it's as soon as cause as soon as the authorities find out it doesn't belong to you, they'll probably move you from there. You probably have to relocate. You have to. <laughs> no, you really yeah, have to. They'll probably 
pay you some silly money just to get rid of you and then yeah I'm not sure what the laws say about it mm-hmm. but um, I would like to think that somehow the government would have a hand in it mm. you know because mm-hmm. more than likely it wouldn't be on your line alone <laughs> something right eminent domain isn't that what they're gonna want to take it away from me under you know where eminent domain is the right of a government they say to um <laughs> take away <laughs> private property well, maybe, for public maybe use? yeah but maybe you might be compensated you know properly but then um, if i if i'm the government moments and you have a piece of land that has tremendous amount of oil if you don't want to take the money, well, I'm sorry for you because the oil is more of more benefit to the country. So you have to find a way so that everybody could benefit from that. Then you're looking at if you start to drill and do certain things, look at the environment. So they could find a lot of ways to shut you down outside of literally taking it from you. They oh. could put you in a position where you're forced to take a deal with them in any case. You know, because there's so much things around us surrounding that especially if you don't have the money to 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 really explore it and do what you have to do yeah yeah it would well, be interesting to find out exactly how it works though yeah i would love to know i'll tell you this much and then i'm gonna move on because we don't want to stay too long on one topic in the interest of time but um i tell you what i would do if i were to have property in which i know there's going to be the threat of eminent domain um I'm going to negotiate real hard with the government. Um, I'm not just, I, I don't think I want to go for just selling out. I want to have stake ownership as well. After all, it was my property. I'm the one who had to pay for that property. I'm the one who took it upon myself to spend the money to um, drill and discover this. So I think it's only reasonable that for the rest of my life, at least for the next five generations, you know, they're okay. Or until eternity, every generation is okay. That that's is that is that being unreasonable? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think at in all. most cases, I think in most cases, if you go to them like early and really put a good proposal to them, they would they would give you some kind of stake, okay, or some small percentage that you could use, especially if you're working with them. But if you if you if you if you try to go at them publicly, then you might be in trouble. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you so much. We'll find out later on. All right. Moving right along. So we're now on to Jamaica for our next set of stories. Uh, according to the Jamaica Teachers Association, teachers island wide are still waiting for April salaries. This story is courtesy of um, Nationwide Radio, JM dot com. President of the Jamaica Teachers Association, JTA, LaSondra Harrison, says teachers across the island are still awaiting payment of their April salaries. This despite an assurance from the Education Minister, Favel Williams, that salaries were uploaded to the payroll system from Monday. Mrs. Harrison doubled down on the claim of late payment in an audio message sent to JTA members on Wednesday afternoon. Moreland, St. James, Hanover, Kingston, and St. Andrew, St. Anne, 
across the island are still reporting non-payment of salaries. Schools such as Watermount, Good Hope Primary and Infant Eccleston, Elgin Town, Basic Principal Attached Lucy Primary, not paid. Mrs. Harrison says in several schools there is the curious situation where some teachers have been paid while their co-workers are still waiting. Some schools, teachers there have received pay while others have not received pay. Same school. Savannah Lamar Primary, almost half the teaching population not paid. Petersfield Primary, 31 teachers not paid. We have Mount Peter, Petersville, Moreland Hill Primary, Sheffield Primary, Mernsville Primary, Culloden Infant, Green Island High, Cocoon Primary, Fern Court, several schools where the teachers are yet to receive their salaries. Okay, that was Lasandra Harrison, JTA president. Mrs. Harrison's decision to raise an alarm about the issue via a press release late on Tuesday was branded as irresponsible by the education minister. According to Minister Williams, who says she only heard of the delays after being contacted by a reporter, said the JTA could have spoken to her directly for an update on the payment process. Hmm. I'm not going to argue that one. Look at what they had to go through. Um, How do we know that she didn't make attempts to contact you, um, Minister Williams? I'm not saying what she did is right, but how do we know that she didn't make attempts to reach out to you? We don't know. Probably went on deaf air. So, you know, you have gatekeepers. So she decided, okay, since somebody want to talk to me, let me go ahead and just make it public. Next up, most Canadian farm workers satisfied with working conditions, according to Samuda. Story courtesy of Nationwide Radio. The overwhelming number of Jamaicans participating in the Canadian Overseas Farm Work Program are satisfied with their working conditions. That is according to the long-awaited report from a fact-finding mission provided by Labour Minister Carl Samuda in the House of Representatives on Wednesday afternoon. And this is a continuation of further follow-up to what was reported last week. Over 70% of respondents believe that the treatment from their employer was either good or very good. 70%. When those who left, they felt that they were fairly treated and rating increased to 90%. 90% felt that they were fairly treated. No, I am not saying that the place is perfect. By no means. No means. I'm not saying they are, it's a perfect situation. As I would say that farming in Jamaica is not perfect either. But the fact of the matter is, when asked specifically if the farm owners treated them with respect, 87.1% said yes. A special report on Jamaican farm workers in Canada presented by Al Jazeera Network highlighted claims of dangerous working conditions without proper protection verbally abusive bosses, and physical intimidation. Minister Samuda says the claim that the workers were being treated like slaves on the farms is not supported by the findings. We were able to observe a deep sense of pride and fulfillment among the vast majority of farm workers. This is a gold standard 
committee, a gold standard committee, 73.7 stated that they willingly worked on their days off in order to earn more money, not by force. Only 2.5 felt as if they were being forced. 2.5. 70% of the, con- uh, of the contracts range between five and eight months. Well, we know that, and we're trying to get it extended, but it's a weather thing. That was Carl Samuda, Labour Minister. I think um, James had said, what, what did James say last week? That there needs to be fairness. The essence of what James was saying is that there needs to be fairness. And I remember my rebuttal, or I said it before James book, I don't remember, was that um, there needs to be a kind of undercover boss scenario with farm workers because if they know that government representatives are coming to explore and um, observe, that's the better word, observe what's going on, um, of course they're going to clean up, remove the cobwebs, take out the weeds, make sure the kitchen is clean, bathroom clean, you know what I mean, all of that. We're going to do some house cleaning because we're expecting guests. And um, you would think that they would have done that. I don't know. For some reason, though, for, mm, I don't know. Has the farm work program been beneficial to many? Yes, it has been. People have been able to change the the trajectory of the lives of their families, been able to build homes and start businesses and establish farms back in Jamaica. But I still am a little weird. Go right ahead. I know someone opened their mic. I'm not looking at my screen, folks. I am trying to fix yeah, other issues. Yeah, it's me. Go ahead, yes, so, Yes, I was saying that. It's the same thing that he, he gave a percentage. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the essence of what I was saying in the last time. Because it, I don't think it's fair to the, the, the programs that are doing their best to, to create a good environment. So, like, you know, with, with technology, with, with, with smartphone and stuff like that, that's what I was saying. Like, they can document because um, the house cleaning that you're talking about, mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of the prop- some of the properties that people are working in, it's impossible to do house cleaning. For example, there is one where um, the residence was in, like, a garage and, like, a, a makeshift kitchen and stuff like that was there. Like, if... If someone from the ministry is going to visit, it's 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 not possible to do house cleaning and 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 um and correct that because you have people living in garage, right? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Put them put them in your house and say, okay, this is where they were all the time. I don't think so. So yeah, like you know, give a percentage of the ones and and maybe go as far as calling out the the the, the firms, you know, you know, shame them publicly to to do better or, you know, if um farmers refuse to, to, to go back to those ones and give them option to go to the, the ones that are, you know, provide better treatment. Yeah, so, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I don't think that should because it's beneficial to a lot of people. Like, um, Canadian immigration system is not as rigid as the American system. So So there's a better chance of a farm worker coming to Canada and becoming a permanent resident than going to America and getting a green card, right? Mm-hmm. So so a lot of farmers come for like five, six years, <clears throat> and they decide that they want to stay, and 
they find a way to stay because you come and you mix in in public. You, you meet a woman, you like her, she married you, and you get to stay. It's not as easy as that in America. It, it can happen here. You, go, you decide that you want to go back to school or something like that. It, it's possible. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that should should be fair because it, it, it makes it seem like the entire system is broken. And if the entire system is not broken, then it's not fair to the other farmers um, that that try to provide a, a, a you know a suitable working environment for their people. Because the reality is like the same thing like America. Um, Canadians are not doing the farm work, you know. And and if if um, Jamaicans come and they're getting Canadian minimum wage to work on the farm, mm-hmm. that's that's way more than they're making Jamaica, like sixteen Canadian dollars or fifteen. 50 something an hour they're not going to make it in jamaica so yeah i think that should be fair okay all right thank you so much james um moving right along labor minister um is saying 200 million dollars has been set aside for poverty relief programs story courtesy of nationwide radio jm labor minister carl samuda says 200 million dollars will be shared among all 63 members of parliament for use in poverty relief programs in their constituencies. Minister Samuda made the announcement on Wednesday during his contribution to the sectoral debate. We will therefore be undertaking a review of the policies governing the rehabilitation program designed to facilitate greater involvement of our parliamentarians. We will be allocating $200 million for members of parliament to be utilized to address urgent needs of their constituents. Minister Samuda says additional funds will be made available to MPs under a short-term poverty relief program. In addition, in addition, we are increasing the allocation under the short-term Poverty Intervention Program, which incidentally was started by a former colleague, um, Kelly, MP, Minister Kelly. We are moving this initiative from $1.5 million to $2 million for each member of parliament. In the coming weeks, each member of parliament will receive the name and contact details of a social worker that has been assigned to their constituency. That was Carl Samuda, Minister of Labor and Social Security. He says MPs, rather than bureaucrats, are better placed to spend government resources to help the most vulnerable in their constituencies. I have a few thoughts. Um, uh, okay. Let me see how I can put this nicely. And I'm, I'm going to try to be brief. So, yes, MPs should be involved. However, it is very important that they also have a committee in each constituency uh, to ensure that there is fairness. There needs to be an audit in place to make sure an audit is done so that those who are in those who are supposed to benefit the most do so. Um, also, I would like to make a suggestion that you not just give money to people. Depending, uh, examine each person's situation. Some people within some constituencies have a little land. 
What are they doing with the land? How can they benefit of the land so that they can eventually be weaned from these poverty programs? I don't like the term poverty programs or, which, or poverty relief programs. I wish they would find another name for it. Somebody else can come up with that name so we can suggest it. But um, if they have a piece of land and the land is favorable and they can plant crops, right, because the goal is to ease the import, the importation of these um, bottom of the barrel crops that come into Jamaica, you know, the rejects, let me put it that way, kind of like when you go to the outlet mall, it's what doesn't make it into the grand mall that goes to the outlet mall, All right, the, re the, the rejects, so we can minimize the importation of certain um, products. Um, let us see how we can use the land that they do have available. So that way we're going to be able to have them have some income. And we know it's not going to be right away because farming takes a while. Let's explore if their land is not favorable for traditional farming. Let us explore the possibility of setting up um, hydroponic farming. Animal husbandry may be an option. For example, chickens, right? Chicken is always in demand. And I've said this before. I don't know why we're importing chicken chickens in Jamaica. And now that we recognize that there is a high demand for chicken wings because of the, the um, demographic that is going there for holidays. So the tourism sector needs more chicken wings. There is a shortage in Jamaica of chicken wings. So let us explore these options. And yes, some people may come back at me and say, well, no, give the people the money. But I stand on you give a man a fish, you feed him for the day. But if you teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. And I believe if we teach them to fish and help them set up um, opportunities for themselves, we are instilling a sense of pride. All right. If anyone else has any other contribution to make, we can take some brief contributions and then we move forward. All right. As to how MPs can see to it that the poverty relief program is successful. As I always say, you never know who is listening. All right. Like, you're right. Start business with that money. Like, get that. If people want that money, let them apply like with like a business plan. And see, give people who need the money to start business so that as I say, oh, you can give them teach them over fish, as I say. So yeah, I'm hungry. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Alex. Uh, definitely. You know, we, we see too often where people put their hand on their jaw. And you have some people who will tell them no won't work, but no, you're forcing them to do something with their lives. Do something else. Now, the elderly, that's a whole different story. Because we do have shut-ins, the elderly who need that assistance. Now, um, a suggestion, probably a community bus, I don't know, so we can take them to their um, clinics for their checkups and so on. But other things, you know, so on and so forth. Go right ahead. You see, um, the thing, why am I again sometimes you asking people in these impoverished areas to come up with business plans and so on. Some of them don't even have the means to put it together. Some of them don't know what a business plan is. So I think it's time we send our technocrats into the into the streets, into these areas. If we're going to do a project in an area, you're sending the people with the requisite skills. 
Let them identify what's going on. There might be a man doing a hustle there. You say, listen, if I put together a proper business plan for him, I could scale his business. I could do this. I could, he could employ one person. And we could help him and show him how to hold his hand and guide him through the process. Because most people in this community run their informal businesses, just offer their head and they hustle. When they tell them about business plan and stuff, they may not even apply because they, they, they feel so daunted by it. If, if all I do is sell corn or whatever, that's what I do. That's my hustle. Mm-hmm. When they try to tell me what business plan I see, like, you know, these rich people and them in university <laughs> thing, you know, we not time for that. I just come to make a dollar. Right. If you send somebody and you, 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 you sit down with me now and show me how I'm literally running a business and not just hustling, and you can show me how to, to balance my income, my expenses, and, and stuff like that, and you show me my, my, how I could better my packaging and how I could deliver my product better and how I could make it more efficient. And that might just be one or two hour consultation. And then I buy into it and I'm like, wow, I never saw it like that because I never know. Yeah. So these are the kind of things we have to do. We can't just be giving people stuff and say, do this, do that. Because from our level, that is what needs to be done. Yes. The question usually is, how can it be done? And we have to help with the how. Yes. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. So I, I should have gone a little further in depth. But thank you, Donald, for breaking it down and as to how it should be accomplished. Because what we don't want to do is overwhelm them. Definitely not. But instead, hold their hand and guide them at a micro level, so to speak, um, where they're keep it as simple as possible. Right, Donald? Simplify the process. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and, you know, like we as the diaspora and I mean, like people outside of Jamaica. Well, that's what diaspora mean. But like we have resources here in America, Canada, wherever you are where we can give back better to Jamaica by teaching them how to do the, these businesses. Even though the system might be different at Jamaica, but like we can find out how the system run, collaborate with people at Jamaica and help these people by, as I said, hold them on. Yeah. Agreed, Alex. Agreed. Agreed. Go ahead, Donald. I'm glad you make that point, Alex. I'm glad you make that point, right? Because I think sometimes we don't utilize the technology. If you have a community center or a space in a community, that you want to offer some courses, let's say for entrepreneurship or basic accounting, whatever it is. You can have somebody in the diaspora who is a professional in that field. Give up one to two hours a week to sit with some people remotely and teach a class for free and show them how it is done and change that community mindset and everything like that. So we have to find these innovative ways to utilize because there are people that don't mind giving up an hour or two hours to give back to their country, even if they may not be living there. Yes. So these are the kind of things we have to do to really start to change it. So you set up a center, you put in the same person that is teaching the course might donate the computers and help you pay the internet bill. Yeah. So these are the kind of things we have to look at. Love it. Love the ideas. And I remember um, a couple months ago when we had a similar conversation and Javette spoke about um, going into her uncle's um business and teaching him about the the accounting side and how to structure his books you know and everything so that there is a flow and you know it's easy to put your fingers on your money and so on and so forth so even if we can't do it that way donna we can reach out to our family members how many 
people have spoken with family members back, say, for example, in the Caribbean, and they have said, oh, you know, I want to do this, this, that. I want to set up a little stall or I want to set up a little business. And what do we do? What is normally done? We send the money, go get them. And then in six months' time, you ask them, so how the thing I got? Boy, you want to say nothing, I go on the sign now, I couldn't get for all kind of story. Remember when we said, when they, it was earlier this year when the report was done for how much money went into Jamaica in remittances coming from Canada, US, England, and other countries? It was in the billions. Oh, wait, that's gambling money. So, no, 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 no. We're taught, well, it's... some of it could be, some of it could be. But what, what is... went through remittances? Go ahead, go ahead. The majority of that, trust me, majority of that money is not legal money. All right. A lot of it, people do send money to Jamaica, but not like scamming money. There. All right. So let us say it's scamming money. What have they done with the money? Now by Axiom or Kicks and Big Benz and them thing, they build up the most shop on Amazon said we. That's why that, the US dollar be Jamaica. Because Americans are good to Jamaica with them flashy this, them bring technology to Jamaica and Jamaicans want that. So they might go up on Amazon and go order too. Because whole heap of people remember them, they are Jamaica order things from Amazon, even though it's legal money they might use, but yeah. Hmm. Ah, oh, so now we have to really see, think. Go ahead, Donald. You see, moments, in my opinion, in the Caribbean, every government should use make the, dia the diaspora another parish and treat them as such. So we have to use our people in the diaspora as another entity that is connected to the country. And we have to put policies in place to create seamless interactions and movements of resources from the diaspora back into the country. Yes, we put the necessary checks and balances in place, but in our policy making and stuff like that, we have to include the people in the diaspora. Because in most cases, the people in the diaspora sometimes is more than what you have in the country. Mm -hmm. And if you have that facility to utilize the resources at their disposal, especially those that are willing to give back, there is nothing that can be done. There is no reason why if I go to an impoverished area, I can't set out a project to say we will improve X amount of homes and this is the plan. These are the contractors we will do. This is how we will go about providing the labor and we need $5 million. And we, we create a, a, a vehicle by which people in the diaspora could donate. And you could even choose the plot you want to donate to and you could see the progress and stuff like that. We would raise millions of dollars. There is no reason why we can't say, okay, we want to put a resort on a beach and it costs us 3.5 million, as opposed to going to the Chinese and stuff. We could create an investment vehicle where I could go and I could buy a share for $500 a share. And I could buy one share, two shares, whatever. And people all over in the diaspora could literally buy into that investment vehicle, which has an entire management structure, which would run the business and give you a return on investment. Mm -hmm. And what you can do as an added incentive, as opposed to the expatriating the profit, you give them a tax-free break if they're going to deposit the money in a local credit union. And let's say local credit union because the banks are usually foreign-owned. Right. 
That way you know the money stays in the country. Then the credit union could take that money to give out loans and stuff like that to help build the country. We have to start to think outside the box. Mm. There is no reason why we can't do that. And a lot of us will take the risk as long as you put the necessary securities in place and the investment vehicle is properly organized and there is transparency and you're bringing professionals to run the outfit. We already have the workers and stuff in, such, in, in some cases. And you can literally see that. And of course, there would be people that would be skeptical in the beginning. But all you need is one successful project. And then once people realize it's viable, then you have a flow of money coming in for a lot of different projects. Some would feel, some would. But people know that is the nature of the business. Mm-hmm. We have to think outside the box. Yes. I love that, Daniel. It's like the first part of it just was like for me, the envision for like people of can put in their money where they want and they can see it grow. But then you just expand upon what me did I think I was like, yo, that that even better. <laughs> I'm <laughs> love the idea, yo. Yeah. I love the people that work together and do that, yo. We need to keep the ideas coming because um one person doesn't have the answer. And the truth is we can't rely on government alone because a lot of times there is a disconnect right when they move out of the um their constituencies and know they're they have to be um centralized everybody's in kingston they lose that connection boots on the ground not there as much so yes we we love the ideas that are um submitted here we love the ideas that we, we brainstorm here and as i always say you never know who is listening and you never know who we may be um uh, appealing to, right? So let's keep them coming. Thank we you, Donald. Just to expand on that moment, we could use that same that same reasoning to deal with a lot of our historic um, sites. There are some national historic sites that are go back to slavery or whatever that are disintegrating. That the the, the government don't have the money or the funding to to maintain them, to upgrade them, to keep them as tourist attraction and stuff like that. You could you could seek donation. You could do a GoFundMe to restore a church, to restore some kind of temple, some kind of natural site that go way back from slavery. And we could go online and donate into that project. You could show the progress real time as to what it's been doing. Then you, as a, as a tourist attraction, when you start to co- collect funding and you make it a viable project, the tourists that visit it would now fund the maintenance going forward. But we could contribute towards the restoration. Then you provide permanent jobs, you provide income coming in, and then you have an additional tourist attraction that you could sell to the world. So these are the kind of things we must do. Yes, 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 yes. Love it, love it, love it. Going to do the round. Oh, go ahead, James, and then we're going to move on. Yeah, one of the things that you can see, like, in the the hotel industry is one of the the main industries where you see that the government could really do better. Like, when when foreign investors come, goes into Jamaica, I know there's a hotel that's been built now that they say is going to be the largest hotel in in the Caribbean, like, um, over a thousand um, rooms. Um, And what happened is that these foreign investors come in and negotiate and get certain amount of tax relief and and um, tax incentive and grants and whatever from the government because they 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 come with a pitch like look we're we're building this hotel we're going to employ such and such people we need this and we need that and 
you know, most of the hotels, 90% of the hotels, the, the, the foreign-owned hotels, they come into Jamaica and they, they, it's like they dictate to the government what type of tax break they need and stuff like that. Um, the other day we were talking about, remember the discussion about carnival and rooms yes. in, in Kingston? Yes. Okay. When you go on the, the, that back road in Portmore, right? Where... Well, you're the round of James. Is no, no, no. But, I'm only traveling there. I'm only traveling there. No, it's it's an amazing stretch. It's 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 just a shame that it's used like as a red light district. Like there there is like this um I can't remember the name of the fish place, right on that back road there where you drive you you turn left at one of the hotel that was closed down the Matalan other hotel that was closed down for like over twenty years. When you turn left to that hotel, there's a a, a little restaurant like fish like little ochi type of um setting there mm -hmm. when you go in one of those restaurants and you sit down you can't see the airport you can't see the planes taking off and you sit down and you eat your steam fish or your fry fish and your festival and and there's about 20 or more hotels on that strip but they're oh, used Jim. they're you used for red light services right hold on those alex hold on go ahead james i'm sorry go yeah ahead. They're, uh -huh. they're used for those type of services those hotels are, are are owned by locals just imagine if the government gave them the same opportunity that they're giving these foreign hotels those hotels on that stretch now could be like fixed up could be like really nice hotels and when you talk about carnival and, and big events keeping in in kingston portmore is just like a stone throw away so people would feel comfortable going into those hotels knowing that okay this is not like some breakdown red light district type of hotel but the, the hoteliers like complain like even the ones on the mandeville stretch mm -hmm. the mandeville stretch like that the the, the 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 nine is it nine or ten mile beach right there like 90 percent of those hotels are owned by locals and they complain that they don't get the same amount of help that the big hotels get from the government so i think that's where the government could 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 do more like give those people grant give those people tax incentive um, the same way they're giving foreign, you know, the foreign investors. Awesome. Thank you, James. Go right ahead, Alex. Well, I was saying that James no buckle like a buckle in mind. <laughs> Leave James alone. Leave. That was once upon a time, once upon a time. But, you know, it's so true that um, we need to pay more attention to our locals and our local enterprises. Um, couldn't be um, better said. You know what we need to do? Um, Dre, you need to tell Peter that um, a group of us would like to join him one day in Parliament where we put all our ideas and paper. We pencil them all out so we're not, we're not all over the place. We have our pointers and everything together and we go in and we stand up and we address Madame Speaker and address the House so that they can hear what the diaspora is saying literally here and not only here but force uh, them to to act go right ahead so we're gonna there's a diaspora representative all over the world you know they have it in south america north america um they have in england i think in canada but yeah but people work closer with with the government to to do these things where you can go to them and with your concerns and them thing there and then bring it to the government but I think the problem, Alex, is yeah, we have them. And as a matter of fact, there is one representative that um, recently won 
for the South, um, the Southeastern um, Division of the U.S., Peter Gracie, he comes here every now and again. Um, what we need, though, is more than just bringing it to them, right? Because how many times are, have they probably got ideas and they fell on deaf ears? Because the idea is not their own, right? Or them not see how for them pocket can get line out of it. And I think we need to be more forceful, be more present. But yes, Dre, um, Dre said will do. Yes, so he will pass it on to Peter Gracie. But Peter Gracie alone by himself or uh, along with all the other representatives need to be present in there where their voices are being heard versus the voice of the minister to whom the message was relayed. If I'm making sense, right? I think, um, yes, they work with them, but there will be more attention. I want to say, because no, you know, you have people who do this. Let me ask this before I make this statement. When I was growing up, they used to stream parliament on back in the day, JBC who remembered good old JBC. They used to stream parliament was boring as heck, but at least you could, you, you would listen and you would learn a couple of things that were going, that was going on in your country. Do they still stream live stream parliament when they have the sittings? We don't know. Yeah, I think there's a live, I think there's a, there's a live feed that you can get online. No, I'm not talking online, pan TV. No, no, I don't think they do it on TV anymore. But I think um, GIS, I think GIS did it after JBC. Mm -hmm. um, but I think there's an online um, thing where, where people can go watch it online. So online for the diaspora, but what about people in Jamaica, in the rural areas who do not have access to internet and TV is the means by which they are able to get this information because i think when um you have people watching i think it gives the people we the people we the government a little more power and we're put in a position to hold them more accountable if i'm making sense yeah but but moments more more people in jamaica have <laughs> have cell phone and tv i see like people sleeping in the gully and they have cell phone so maybe, well, I guess maybe they don't have internet, but yeah, they have cell phone. Yeah, so we need, but we have to think about those as well. Go ahead, Donald. Go right ahead. Yeah, if you should come in here. You see, sometimes we go to this diaspora representatives, right, with great ideas, and we ask them to take it back to the government. But you're going back to a government that is limited on resources. It comes down to limited resources, right? And you're asking them to implement something that may work, but they may have to take that resource from somewhere else to put it in there. If we in the diaspora, when we come up with the ideas, we could probably switch it up a bit. So you come up with an idea and you tell them, okay, how are we going to do it? How we will get funding? And you give them an entire project. So we take the time to, to define a, a proper project and put all the parameters in place. So that when you go to that diaspora or that representative, you go into that representative to take it to the government to help you with the implementation of the project and not necessarily the funding, implementation and all that stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yes, we know sometimes we should be able to give an idea and they run with it. But given the track record of our Caribbean government and the, the fact that some of them only win because they drink rum with the constituency, <laughs> we have to probably take a different approach. So mm -hmm. we decided properly. And uh, we say, listen, this is how it can be funded, but we just want the government to go ahead to help in the implementation. Now, when a proposal like that gets to anybody's desk, they'll be like, ah, well, now that can work. And mm -hmm. of course, they could take credit for it. 
So maybe we have to stop just going with the ideas, but go with the project and say, this is what we envision, this is how it can be done, but we want the, the okay from the government and the help from the government in the implementation process of the project. Because once the government have to give you funding, I could tell you to be sitting on a desk for a long time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. Thank you so much, Donald. Thank you, everyone, for your input, James, as well. In the chat, um, Alex put pbcjamaica.org uh, live stream. So click on that link and uh, check it out. All right, folks. Next up, Jamaicans yet to reap LNG benefits from JPS, and that's according to Polwell. Story courtesy of Nationwide Radio. Opposition spokesman on energy, Philip Polwell, says Jamaicans have yet to reap the benefits from the decision by the JPS to power its generation plants with liquefied natural gas, LNG. The question, though, is are Jamaicans getting the financial benefit from the changeover from diesel and heavy fuel oil to LNG? I submit the answer is no. Why is it so? Madam Speaker, Mr. Speaker, consider it. I prefer, I, I will do prefer Madam Speaker. Yes. The fuel cost on our bills, just listen to this, in 2016 was US 9 cents per kilowatt hour. By the end of 2021, it got to 15 cents. A whopping increase of 66%. And those are the figures that the OUR could provide me. They don't have 2022 as yet. And uh, I know that the price of electricity has been increasing since then. Speaking in the sectoral debate on Tuesday, Mr. Paulwell says part of the problem is the fact that customers have to bear the full cost of building expensive facilities to process LNG in Jamaica. He says the Holness administration has failed to take the necessary steps to turn the country into a regional LNG hub. But it seems JPS customers alone are being asked to pay for this infrastructure and no one else. What about the discussion that we had in my time of Jamaica becoming the hub for the processing of LNG for the region? Given our logistics and our advantages, this throughput of LNG was contemplated to be a cost-sharing exercise to lessen the burden on the Jamaican consumers. Mr. Speaker, JPS customers alone cannot do it without electricity prices continuing to go through the roof. That was Philip Paulwell, opposition spokesman on energy and mining, and I will have to side with him on that. Consumers alone cannot bear the burden. We can't do it no more. We cannot do it down there anymore. I think we've all um, exhausted <laughs> the uh, conversation as it relates to energy and the cost of electricity in Jamaica. You install AC, but you can't use it unless you unless you're a chopper and you can in a matter you can burn it because you can pay it because you know your money will come from. But for those folks who have to work hard, it's ridiculous. We I side with you. You have my vote there, um, Paul Well. You have my vote there on that one. Next up, believe it or not, story out of the Caribbean corners, courtesy of Jamaica Star. Woman chopped in private part over sex. Really? Is this what we're doing? 
A St. Thomas woman was attacked and cut in her vaginal area, allegedly by her common-law husband, during a dispute over sex. The star understands that the accused, a 40-year-old farmer, got irate after his partner, with whom he shares two children, repeatedly refused to have sex with him in the wee hours of the morning. A dispute developed and it escalated to the point where the man allegedly used a machete to cut his partner on both hands and her vaginal area. The bizarre incident was confirmed by Superintendent Alison Byfield, head of the St. Thomas Police Division. She told the star that the accused man was now in the custody of the police. The police were called in and the male figure was arrested and taken into custody shortly after the incident. She added that the accused was charged with assault at common law and that the complainant was making progress in her recovery. It is like a puncture wound, she said of the vaginal injury. The complainant was assisted to the Princess Margaret Hospital in St. Thomas, where she was admitted treated and then released on Wednesday. A court date has not yet been finalized for the accused. So when you chop it up, how it benefits you, um, farmer? Really? That part. So you got to chop it for the war with it. So now your ass is in custody. So somebody going to chop your behind up in there. We've said this several times. Nobody not own nobody. And she does have the right to refuse you sex. Having two children for you, living with you, being with you does not guarantee you anything. What if the woman is tired? She's not allowed to be tired. Somebody doing chop you, that's all I have to say. And on a lighter note, five reasons to vacation in St. Lucia. Story courtesy of Caribbean.loopnews.com. St. Lucia is a stunning Caribbean island. Send me the link for that, please, Javet. Something just popped up on the screen. We have breaking news. It just popped up. Send, the, send me the link, please, Javet. Um, Donald says, do the same thing to him and set him free in the chat. Oh, my gosh, Donald. But anyway, on to lighter lighter news. Um, St. Lucia is a stunning Caribbean island that should be on every traveler's list. With its sparkling turquoise waters, white sandy beaches, lush tropical forests and vibrant culture, St. Lucia is the perfect vacation destination. Here are five reasons why you should visit St. Lucia. Number one, beautiful beaches. You know what? I'm so distracted. All right. You know, let me stop for a second, folks. I'm so sorry. I apologize. Jerry Springer, politician turned TV ringmaster, dies at the age of 79. Who used to watch it? Jerry just hear people say, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. Oh my gosh, this is so what Jerry did today. It looks so news just in oh, Javet wow. just sent over the breaking news and then WSVN out of Miami just um it just popped up on my phone. Jerry Springer, the one time mayor and news anchor, whose namesake TV show featured a three ring circus of dysfunctional families willing to bear all on weekday afternoons, including brawls. Obscenities and blurred images of nudity died Thursday morning at 79. At its peak, the Jerry Springer show was 
uh, ratings powerhouse and a U.S. cultural pariah. Is that right? Synonymous with lurid drama. Known for chair-throwing and bleep-filled arguments, the daytime talk show was a favorite American guilty pleasure over its 27-year run, at one point topping the Oprah Winfrey show. Springer called it escapist entertainment. While others saw the show as contributing to a dumbing down decline in American social values, Jerry's ability to connect with people was at the heart of his success in everything he tried, whether that was politics, broadcasting, or just joking with people on the street who wanted a photo or a word. That's according to Jean Galvin, a family spokesperson and friend of Springer's since 1970. He is irreplaceable and his loss hurts immensely, but memories of his intellect, heart and humor will live on. Springer died peacefully at home in suburban Chicago after a brief illness. On his Twitter profile, Springer jokingly declared himself as talk show host, ringmaster of civilizations. And he also often uh, had told people tongue in cheek. Are you hearing me? Okay. Now we after heart. Okay. We go back to heart. Okay. All right. After intellect, they just shut down. After intellect. Okay. It was false information. (laughs) You know what? Um, Okay, hold on a second. Let me go back. Let me go back. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Say that again. What was the last thing you heard me say? Intellect? It was someone yeah. quoting him, saying, talking about him. Um, he'll be missing our hearts, I think. Okay, so let me go back to this part. Jerry's ability to connect with people was at the heart of his success in everything he tried, whether that was politics broadcasting someone's mic is open or just joking with people on the street who wanted a photo or a word. That's according to Jean Galvin, a family spokesperson and friend of Springer's since 1970. He is irreplaceable and his loss hurts immensely, but memories of his intellect, heart and humor will live on. Springer died peacefully at home in suburban Chicago after a brief illness. On his Twitter profile, Springer jokingly declared himself as talk show host ringmaster of civilizations and he also often had told people tongue tongue in cheek that his wish for them was may you never be on my show after more than 4000 episodes the show ended in 2018 never straying from its core salaciousness some of its last episodes had such titles as stripper sex turned me straight stop pimping my twin sister and hooking up with my therapist in a too hot for tv video released as his daily show neared seven million viewers in the late 1990s springer offered a defense against disgust look television does not and must not create values it's merely a picture of all that's out there the good the bad the ugly Believe this, the politicians and companies that seek to control what each of us may watch are far greater danger to America and our treasured freedom than any of our guests ever were or could be.
He also contended that the people on his show volunteered to be subjected to whatever ridicule or humiliation awaited them. Gerald Norman Springer was born on February 13, 1944, in a London underground railway station being used as a bomb shelter. His parents, Richard and Margot, were German Jews who fled to England during the Holocaust, in which other relatives were killed in Nazi gas chambers. They arrived in the United States when he was five and settled in the Queens borough of New York City, where Springer got his first Yankees baseball gear on his way to becoming a life long fan. He studied political science at Tulane University and got a law degree from Northwestern University. He was active in politics much of his adult life, mulling a run for governor of Ohio as recently as 2017. He entered the arena as an aide in Robert F. Kennedy's ill-fated 1968 presidential campaign. Springer, working for a Cincinnati law firm, ran unsuccessfully for Congress in 1970 before being elected to city council in 1971. Ah, may he rest in peace, Jerry Springer. Good morning, all. Good morning, Javet. I have a question. Was he the first one that came up with the you are not the father or was it the other guy? You mean Maury? I know I'm not sure. I, okay. huh. I think it was Maury. I think that's Maury. Yeah, that's Maury. Wow. You are not the father. But, but did John? But did John? But did John notice that he called himself the ringmaster? Right. That's a that's a zoo. That's a a carnival or circus terminology used when you train animals. I didn't think of it that deep. I'm being educated right now, Chief. I'll be honest. I was not aware of the correlation, um, the association at all. Please school me. Let me know more. I didn't know. And there, yeah. there was some noise yeah. in your background. So you're, you're, you're in the matrix, Chief. I mean, he, he said ringmaster of life. And the Jerry Springer show, like people come on it with them wild antics or wild stories, and he's just there standing there mediating and controlling them. So people come in with them. I know it's like wild animals, but with people problems. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. That's what that's what I'm saying. He's saying the ring ringmaster of civilization. Like I, I'm the it's the animal trainer, right? Like I, I'm going to show you what animals animalistic behavior looks like i'm the ringmaster like it's 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 the carnivalistic display of when you when you think about uh eurocentric culture no matter who they talk about they always talk about oh if with this hadn't happened these people would have never been civilized it's up to us to civilize the world mm. but to say that he's the you see what i'm saying yeah, okay, so this idea you. of being the ring yeah yeah the ringmaster of civilization okay now I understand. Oh, learned something new today. Thank you. Thank you, Chief. Thank you. But he also had a lot of them, the others on his show as well. Yeah, I didn't say it was related to race. Oh, I mean, okay. you still had the lower you, you still had that lower class. I mean, you know, think about how okay. American that made. Okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. I remember watching it in the 
90s. <laughs> I was like, this can't be real. People could not really live like this. I, I felt it was a script. Well, I felt it was scripted. Was it? I did too. I, I thought a lot of that was scripted until I saw, um, there was a, there's a documentary called The Wild and Wonderful Whites of West Virginia. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Oh my God! Listen, write it down. If you if you're listening to my voice right now, write down the wild and wonderful whites of West Virginia. I swear to God, you will never ever in your life call another person of color ghetto. You will never ever do it again. The wild and wonderful whites of West Virginia. You will not freaking believe it. I believe I believe Mr. Chief like. A lot of people always say, oh, black people get to black people, ratchet. Oh, I just black people gonna say, no. Like every race do get ratchet things, ghetto stuff like Mexicans, whites, Spanish, you name it. Even the natives, them here in America do ratchet stuff. Yeah, so this is here. on a whole nother level. Yeah. Can't imagine. <laughs> yo. Can't it's imagine. A, no, I, I, I'm not kidding at all. Listen, y'all know me. You, you y'all on me if i would not say this i've been all over the world i have never and i've been in some of the most wretched places and seen some stuff i haven't seen nothing that can compare to this it was so bad that even the production team had to call the police and dhs and all these other places you know what i'm saying because it was so un i kid you not it was so unbelievable the wild and wonderful whites of west virginia just watch a trailer <laughs> I don't think I can. No, I kid you. I, the, you can. I listen. It's a train. It's that train wreck. You can't stop watching. I literally could not stop watching it as bad as I wanted to. But it was at the same time. It was like, oh my god, all the stereotypes that are placed on somebody's oh alarm is going off. Somebody's alarm is yeah. Going. Somebody's no. Somebody was backing up. Okay. Okay. So, but no. Listen, really. I, I, I this. That's a show. That's a whole show. I promise you. Wow. <laughs> you will never you I, will never so, so you're it. telling me it gets worse than um cheaters who watches cheaters oh it, gets it makes worse that look than, like <laughs> it gets worse than it, makes um, it gets worse than maury gets worse than jerry springer okay then All yes right, then. it makes those shows look civilized wow these are real people like a real Real people, real culture, real community, real environment. Even the police don't want anyone to deal with these people. <laughs> no, I kid you not. It, it, you gotta. You, I'm telling y'all, it was the game changer. <gasps> you will. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. You're gonna be done. I promise you. <laughs> and we and oh, as I'm saying that, um. Not to stray too far, but you know, the, I was about to say that, and they call us animals and savages, right? But as I was about to say that, I remembered a video I saw. I think I shared it on my Instagram. I'm not sure, but um, I'm not sure if I saved it. Let me let me check if I saved it. But the video is talking about grounding. Who knows what grounding is? Familiar with grounding? Anybody? Yeah, I know what grounding is. Okay. <laughs> Wait, there's, hold on, there's, there's another different, okay, no, I don't know what exactly, because it could be several things, okay. grounding power, grounding. Sunette, you know, so, you know, Sunette. 
grounding. You're from California. Walking barefooted. Walking barefooted. Yeah, walking barefooted then collecting to Mother Nature. Right. Yes. And then while you're you can sun gaze. Wait, in a sense, I think that's the same thing. Right. In a sense. With with the um, electricity because like the ground earth is ground. And it's like you being on the ground is like you're grounded to the ground. Uh-huh. That makes sense. Uh-huh. You're on the right page. Everybody's yeah. on the right page. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, So, yeah. it's funny how we were, uh, when we were discovered, right? Quote, unquote, discovered. Whether you're indigenous or you're from the continent. You know, we were all uncivilized and we needed to be colonized and, you know, made to wear shoes and so on and so forth and yada, yada, yada. So, oh, guess what? They have now recognized the benefits to walking barefooted. And they're now doing it. Walking outside barefooted because they realize that there is healing that can happen via grounding when your feet are touching soil. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. And this is as they continue to study the black race trying to figure out how is it that we don't crack. We may stretch, but we don't crack, right? Trying to understand why we don't have wrinkles on our faces <laughs> when we're I'm old. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The way you just said that, it's just, we don't crack. <laughs> we don't crack. No. Might stretch, but we don't crack. You know, but, um, so they're still trying to figure it out. How is it that, uh, a 35-year-old Caucasian doesn't look the same as a 60-year-old black woman. How is it? It's a mystery. Right? So, and they're trying to figure us out and learn more about us. Ha-ha! I wonder if grounding has something to do with it. So, anyway, uh, what they're now doing is selling... <laughs> Selling um, electromagnetic tape that you put on your bed and you plug into the ground. <laughs> so, of course, you know, our folk, we cut up. Um, so what's going to happen when that lightning hit that? <laughs> and you forget to plug it out and you're lying down. <laughs> it don't work like that, folks. It don't work like that. Ah, oh, Javed. Wait, what show is that? You're, you're I'm trying to find it back. I came across it on TikTok and I am here. I thought I had saved it. You know, I come across so many different things on TikTok, but it's a documentary and they put the, a, a clip of it on TikTok and I thought I had saved it. So I'm here trying to find it back and I'm not winning. But yeah, when I but, find it, I'm going to bring it up again. Go ahead, James. Yeah. So so can can we take a moment to apologize to Muta Baruka? <laughs> because I would never apologize to him because I never said anything bad no, about him wearing shoes. Because I remember, I remember, like from from a kid growing up, and people people were clowning him, like because he said that he, the same thing that you're explaining mm -hmm. um, about why he is barefooted, and he, he said it it makes him um, feel connected to Mother Earth and and to, to nature and everything, mm -hmm. and it, and and it it the healing power. And people, people clown him out. And yeah, like, you know, as a young child and, you know, you see stuff like that and you obviously you say like, yeah, he's a madman or whatever. And yeah, but, you know, 40 years later, we're seeing that he wasn't crazy, right? 
Uh, I never thought about him that way because I was always outside running up and down, no shoes. The only thing, um, the issue my parents used to have with me running up and down with no shoes is running the risk of stepping in dog poop because we had a lot of dogs. But um, yeah, ain't nothing like being barefoot. To this day, I will go outside with no shoes on. It's the best feeling. But um, uh, but guess add something to that. Yes, yes, go right before, ahead. Before you guys judge me, but hear me out. If you step in dog poop barefoot, what's going to happen? Remember, you have a lot of pores on the sole of your feet, so you could your feet could absorb some of that filth, the um, bad bacteria. I don't know. What do you think? Smelly feet. You get smelly feet. <laughs> smelly feet. Yeah, I agree because like your skin is the first layer of defense. If you don't have any cut on your feet or anything, I don't think there'll be much of a problem. You know, right? You're right. Yeah. You're... Tasha says parasites. If you have an open wound, if you have an open, if you have an open wound, yes. Yeah. If you have an open wound, I would suggest go walk in poop. Don't spread it when you walk in your house, because yeah. then you're opening the entire house to parasites. Yeah, you don't want poop in your ground, in your floors. You walk around barefoot. You have children. It's just it's too much. But I mean, wash your foot before you come inside your house. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's all it is. They just didn't want you tracking that back up in the Yeah. <laughs> Chief <laughs> Chief is in a construction. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Was, um, yeah hey, about hey, that. hey. That I'm trying to build our future, nothing. okay? I'm trying to build our future, Sonette. Sonette, I'm trying to build our future. We heard you, Chief. <laughs> <That's my> extinguisher. <laughs> extinguisher put out the bacon fire <laughs> i love you you know that yes same <laughs> okay so 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 listen we we used to make our homes out of mud and poo so it's not like it's the first time we put our feet in it right you know, it, 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 I, you know you're gonna you, you're picking up stuff all the time but but back to this this foot thing the shoe thing uh -huh. you know it's funny this it's funny how everything's connected this morning when i woke up and i i, I moved off my meditation channel onto youtube the first video i saw was barefoot shoes because you know they have this thing uh, vibrams and different shoes you can wear like bare, barefoot shoes to keep you from having bunions and to help you walk more naturally uh -huh. and it's so funny because they were saying that the idea of having pointed shoes came from Europe mm -hmm. because it was part of a hierarchy, you know, like the, the yep. royal families, or, it was a status thing. So if you had pointed shoes, that's what, <laughs> that's what that symbolized, you know, your status. And so now we have people with bunions and messed up feet and they don't know why. So just putting that out. Yeah. Yeah. So grounding, um, it does help with anxiety, PTSD and trauma um yeah it's practice it folks we have been in this country and for those of you who live in north america or out of your um <clears throat> excuse me across the diaspora every now and again practice it don't worry if anybody sees you outside ignore them you're doing this for you go right okay, ahead someone's mic is oh, okay that go was, ahead go ahead me. go ahead so that i i was uh driving um a couple of days ago and it was in the city 
And I saw a woman walking barefoot in the street, a white woman. And I was like, what the F is she doing? <laughs> because are you, don't you look at people sideways when you see them make um, barefoot in, in the city? Street? Yes, yes, you do. Okay, thank you. That's what I'm saying. Like if she was in her backyard, if she was in her front porch or right in front of her house, I, I don't think I would look at her side eye. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is us being what colonized our brain as well, right? Yeah. But she was walking in the middle of San Francisco with no shoes on. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, but all right, I, I will step off my porch now. <laughs> Go ahead, yeah, but, James. <laughs> yeah, but you, what anything with the with barefoot thing too, it depends on where you're barefoot to because there's um I don't know if you have ever like just like say five o'clock in the morning walking on the beach with the sun going to your toes and stuff like that. And it, it's almost like you feel like like your your body, like all of the stress or everything is being extracted from your body. It just gives you that feeling of peace. Um as opposed to walking on asphalt. <laughs> there's 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 nothing therapeutic about walking barefoot right. on because asphalt is not natural. It's not it's 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 something man made, right? But like the sun are you walking in grass and stuff like that? There's a different therapeutic feeling than as opposed to walking on an asphalt or, you know, concrete itself. So concrete, I think it, it right. depends on where you walk. I think uh, that's what it is. Because, like, I remember I've had drunk nights in New York City and, you know, the shoes hurt. And for, like, a split second, I want to. But then I remember it's New York City. It's concrete. You know, let the feet there for a couple of seconds before you can get to some place to take the shoes off. I think that's a t- situation with the woman I saw, but like, not on concrete. Give me some grass. Give me some <laughs> sand. But no. Nah. Oh, gosh. Okay. Go uh, right ahead, yeah. Don. Javet and then Donald. Sorry, Donald. Javet and then Donald. I was going to say that I still do the barefoot thing all around my property. I don't care if I'm in my driveway on concrete. Sometimes I even walk to the mailbox, you know, in my backyard. I, you know, I mean, we take off our shoes and leave them at the door before we come in the house anyway, because there's so much other things on the street that people release from their bodies. (laughs) Let me just (laughs) say that. (laughs) Um, and, And it's funny, but I never even think about that when I'm just walking around you know, on my concrete and backyard or whatever. I mean, before I jump into bed, of course, I'm washing my skin. So I'm not bringing anything on, you know. Right. But, I, you know, you just remind, maybe I shouldn't even do that because I have carpet. So maybe I should wash my feet more. <laughs> okay. okay, sorry. Go ahead, Donald. <laughs> Go ahead, Donald. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Donald. Yeah, this is actually something I came across years ago. So it's something I do. Another, um, actually, you don't even have to do it for long because they say the to ground, it is faster than a second, so it's a millisecond. It's it's that quick, right? And um, another way we could do it, if you don't want to like walk barefooted like that, you could just go to a, the park and touch a tree. If you touch a tree, it has the same effect hmm. because the tree is grounded. So you could so literally sometimes lunchtime you just walk, you just go to the park, you touch a tree. And you don't have to do it for long because it takes like seconds to do it. And it says it's really, really healthy. Okay. 
Can I interject? Yes, please. Come on, Crystal. I have a grounding pad. There's one that you can put um, in the kitchen, like while you're washing the dishes or standing by the sink. There is one that you can put in your bed. Uh, just bare skin to the pad and you're grounding there. I sleep with one every night. And it has helped with um, the inflammation in my body. So, you know, if you don't want to go outside, you can get a grounding pad. Yeah, they're very Amazon. That's amazing, Crystal. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, the grounding pads are good. That was one of the stuff they said. But just sleep on a grounding pad, it changed a lot. Okay. okay. Sir, and, and, and Donald, you have to make sure you're touching a female tree. There's more benefit from that. James, James, James. No, no serious. No James, James, don't be, you don't, James, James, don't be comfortable what a if you're not in There are more benefits. Yeah, Javette has a good question. How do we know a male tree from a female tree if she's not in blossom? Um, Look at the curves. What? You know what? <laughs> I'm done. James. <laughs> if I move it, can I move him down to the Please gym? move James down to the okay, gulag. James, you yeah, are in time out for the rest okay. of the show. You're going down <laughs> to the audience. Enjoy your time downstairs and come back up when you choose to behave yourself. You okay? All right. Mm -hmm. This is happening today. Wait, <laughs> did she really move him down anymore? <laughs> I'm kidding. This is happening today. You need to behave yourself. Okay? And in warning to the next one who misbehaves, I am moving it down because I'm not doing it. Oh, no, 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 no. I can't. Good morning. I'll you... be back in a few. Wait, he's not gone. <laughs> when we get back we talk about saint lucia and why we need to vacate <laughs> hold on a second oh jesus no sonette you kill me i can't i can't i can't okay hold on yellow man where are you and then she played yellow what man oh my god <laughs> yellow man made it and you say i don't make <laughs> me set it Zungo zungo go zungo zeng Zungo zungo go zungo zeng Say if you have a paper, you must have a pen And if you have a start, you must have a end Say five plus five, it equal to ten And if you have goat, you put them in a pen And if you have a rooster, you must have a end now Zungo zungo go zungo zeng Zungo zungo go zungo zeng I gotta pause. Who can spell Zungo Zungo Go Zungo <laughs> Who can spell it? Anybody? Let me look it up. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't catch her breath yet and she asking crazy more questions. What's going on this morning? Hello? You have some coffee? Oh, let me just send you some Bustella because this one is not working. Yeah, this now. one not working. I, I don't like this one. I don't like this one at all. <laughs> yeah. I can't even say it. Spell it. Uh, Javette, don't cheat. Nobody can cheat. Zungo, zungo, go, zungo, <laughs> You know what? You know, if you call yellow man, no boy. Lady, and then you so take fit. Brave your lord, him call him child. You know, if you call yellow man, no boy. You 
You know fi call John John no boy. You know fi take aya knife fi boy. Zungu zungu go zungu zeng. Watch it. Zungu zungu go zungu zeng. Catch it. Zungu zungu go zungu zeng. Car zero zero one one nine. Kyle man make you feel so fine. Me chat a me lyric. Me chat him in a rhyme. Me na eat like me full up a rhyme. Kyle man him na commit no crime. Car zungu zungu go zungu zeng. Zungu zungu go zungu zeng. Hey, go shung pen, go shu shu shung pen. Hey, go shung pen, go shu shu shung pen. Say if you have a start, you must have a end. Say if you have a paper, you pass me the pen. But tell your yellow man I'm too much girlfriend. Can't offer the matter, but me not have no girlfriend. You a idiot, boy, me have a hundred and ten. Say all of them, them a be yellow children. All of them, them a be yellow children. Some live a Kingston, and don't have me a pen. No for them a ask me how me have no girlfriend too. Arguments I have no arguments, Lord. Arguments I have no arguments. Me enter in the house of Parliament. Prime Minister and his wife have to keep silent. A true yellow man a chat intelligent. They put me in the court. The judge say you innocent too. Arguments I have no arguments. Sanja should have been my girlfriend. Hey, lady Anne should have been my girlfriend. Make a zungo zungo go zungo zen. It is hashtag TBT Throwback Thursday Music and Retrospect. Thank you to everyone listening on JohnNoRadio.com. Jano Radio for the non-stop party vibe. Download that Jano Radio app, J-A-H-K-N-O. It is available in your Apple and Google Play stores. Jano Radio, take us on the go. Who remembers this one? Johnny Osmond. Put it by, 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 no more what? Put it by, 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 number one. Put it by, 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 number two. Put it by, 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 number three. Put it by, 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 number four. Hold up your hand if you love her, then your fashion and style there is a possibility All of them just a ball of But let me hear you say Whoa Yeah 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 Whoa I think I'm the oldest one. No, I'm not the oldest one here, but um, if you grew up in my time, you should know this dance. Whoa, yay! The song was blazing in the 80s. Hold 
Who remembers the name of this rhythm? What's a popular rhythm back in the day? Somebody remind me of the name of it. It has been sampled, yes, Sonette. I can't put my finger in it right now, but it has been. Gotta give a big thank you to everyone listening on the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com for quality music. Keep it logged on to www.QMZRadio.com for that good music to get you through your day. Keep it locked. Here comes Barrington Levy. Cause I don't want your baby to come tie me down And I am young I'm yet to get this part You know what, hold on Barrington Levy, I'm up for the challenge So she didn't have a daughter, she didn't have a son She said the lift doesn't run Run up the stairs and come And if it don't come quick in a tunnel on that sun So I grab a bunch of flows and I started to run Here I come, Two months later she said come and get your son Cause I don't want your baby to come tie me down Not because you are old Gonna squeeze in one more and then we get back to the rest of the news Gonna give a big thank you to everyone right here with me on Clubhouse. After all, this is where the conversation happens. Thank you for joining me every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. This is where I read the news and we share our views. Have you ever heard about telepathic cheating? Well, we're going to be talking about that Monday night, live on Days After Dark, 10 p.m. Eastern. Go ahead and set your alarms. You can listen live on JanoRadio.com, QMZRadio.com. And if you want to be a part of the conversation, join us right here on Clubhouse in Days After Dark. Love 
It is a quarter past the top of the hour. We're going to go ahead and get back to business. And we have one story for you today out of the Latin American corner. Yes, Chief, telepathic cheating. It is a thing. Yeah, we're going to talk about it Monday night. I would love to hear your take on your thoughts on that, but we'll save it for Monday night. All right, courtesy of aljazeera.com. Chile bets on becoming world lithium leader as demand rises. Did I know this before that they... Which, con- which other country produces lithium? I thought it was Africa. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's like um, mid to southern Africa. Yeah. Like- just above South Africa, I remember which country, but it wasn't chilly. Yeah, it wasn't chilly. But anyway, let's get into this one. It's white, not yellow, but like gold. Lithium has rapidly become one of the most sought after precious metals on earth. Theoretically, you know, you messed my throat up, folks. I, I'm here trying to get my throat back in order before the break. And y'all are no good for me. I need new new people to hang out with. Y'all are really bad. Laughing too much. But okay, let me get it together. Theoretically, you can find it almost anywhere. But in practice, lithium is best extracted from salt flats. This explains why lithium fever is spreading throughout what is known as the lithium triangle, the salt flats of Chile, neighboring Bolivia and Argentina. According to World Economic Forum, they account for around 60% of the world's known lithium reserves. One of three, Chile is currently the largest producer. Okay, can somebody look up the others for me? Because now I'm curious. Australia and China. Okay, so Chile, Australia, and China. Okay, thank you, Alex. See, we learned something else today. What did I think? Huh. So now we need to go back and check the continent. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You talk so you're talking about places where you they've um harvested from the ground or producers or I mean refiners. So this one is saying um becoming world this one is production. Hmm. What does so that that's involve? A, that's a mm-hmm. Producers. Yeah. So, driven by the global green energy transition, last year the price of the light salt-like metal used for batteries in electric vehicles and mobile phones jumped from $14,000 a ton to over $80,000 in November. Can we invest in lithium? Is it on the stock market? Who, who Can somebody check that out for us? And while prices have come down to less than stratospheric levels, some estimates predict a 40-fold increase in demand for lithium by 2040. Hmm. Okay, seriously, somebody look that up because we may, may need yeah, to yeah, invest yeah, in yeah, that. Invest in 
Yeah. Yeah, moments. Um, Congo, Congo has a, a a large portion too. I think I think what happened. A lot of these countries get the raw uh, materials from other places and refine it. Because I know Congo, it's one of the the thing that um they they're known for right now. Mm-hmm. And I was watching a, a documentary on it, and it's it's like where a lot of um child labor or um going underground because something. It's almost like mining. It's very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Like you have to go underground to get to get it. But I, I just don't think they have the the capability to to refine it. Just like gold, you get the the the, the raw thing from Africa and then other countries like pretty much steal it mm-hmm. and then refine refine it and they become the the producers of it. Hmm. Uh, along this line, kind of um, different, but like the whole bauxite thing. I know you bought that thing with himself for a dollar. A dollar. A US oh. one dollar. Go ahead, Alex. Tell us some more. Break oh, it down. Is that what you just said? An article where it said this company in America bought the um the bauxite refinery in I think a Mandeville. I don't want to. Oh, the, I think we brought it up yesterday. Was oh, it okay, yesterday, okay. folks? We spoke about it, and my concern was that uh the government of Jamaica, their stake ownership is forty five percent, and. Uh, was it 45% and the other company, whatever it is, they owned 50 something percent. And I was not happy with that. I said, there is no way any external company should come in and own more than the Jamaican government. I remember saying that I can look that back up though, but yeah, I, I, we, we spoke about it yesterday. If I'm not mistaken. I think so. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay, so uh, James, you're saying the Congo, they they, you, it's mined there, but probably not produced there. Kind of like Nigeria and the oil. The oil is um, mined in is mining the right word for oil, but then it's sent offshore for for um, refining. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that hold hold on a second, James. Go ahead, no, no. Sonette. No, no. Not, not James oh, go ahead, Sonette. Okay. Think, yeah. Go on. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I was watching. I was watching a documentary about, and, and it, it was talking, they were talking about how it, it is contributing to, because there's like a, a civil unrest that was going on there too, mm-hmm. uh, and that it's contributing to the, 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 the backlog in terms of, you know, the shortage of cars that we're experiencing all over the world, mm-hmm. because they need, they need it, um, the raw material. So it, it, it's a main um, thing in, in the chip that goes in cell phone and, and cars and stuff like that. So yeah, a, a lot of it comes from comes from there, but I don't think they they just get the raw material and they 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 get like pennies on the dollars for it and they ship it away, and it it gets refined somewhere else. Okay, so I jumped on Google, um, James. Wait, can I Go ahead. Yeah, quick... I'm sorry. I'm so, so sorry, Je- no, Sonette. No, Go no, ahead. No, the reason why I wanted to jump in real quick was because we were thinking you're saying lithium and we were thinking of the cobalt that was a drc and julie put in the chat so yeah naturalist naturalist put his mic off by mistake i don't think he realized i muted it for you naturalist go ahead sonette right so um we were i think we you and i were confusing the cobalt that's been a problem that's been happening in in um, central africa versus lithium it's a different component Lithium, mm. looking what what I found as a the top ten places or that's producing it's Australia, Chile, China, Argentina, Brazil, Zimbabwe, and it's only like one point something percent in Zimbabwe. So we were getting a little bit um off track. 
and and really put in in a, in a chat we're, we're thinking of the wrong component hmm. so let me ask a question then because according to npr uh sonette um co oh no no cobalt is used in the manufacture of almost all lithium okay so cobalt right. from got it cobalt from congo and they need mm -hmm. it they pair it with the lithium okay Oh. Right, it's a it's a different component we're thinking of, not lithium. So lithium batteries, that the, the lithium battery needs multiple parts to make it a lithium battery, and so that's the part we were remembering incorrectly. I okay, believe. thank you so much yeah. for clarifying. Thank you, Geely. Thank you, Geely. Yeah, both thank you, Sonic. Go ahead, Chief. Yeah, both of you are right because the Congo, um, they have mine reserves of 120 million tons of lithium, so they do mine lithium. Hmm. Yeah, but just not in the same percentage as the other countries with a top amount. Australia is doing the most at 46%. Wow. And then it goes down from there. There's okay. a, a chart I found. Let me um let me see if I can read off the percentages. Yeah. Um Australia 46.3%, Chile 23.9%, China 16.2, Argentina 7.2, Brazil 2.2, Zimbabwe 1.4. Portugal 1%, US 1%, and rest of the world 0.6%. Hmm. This source is, um, I'm sorry, sources are important. Yes. Visual Capitalist, um, uh, the actual website I found it was called uh, IG.com, not, not Instagram, it's a different company. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, not just, not just sources, but also the, the, the mode of information because you, we have to remember of what's reported. Mm -hmm. Right, because you have modern modern day slavery where lithium is being mined and not reported. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. That, go yeah, ahead, James. I, go ahead. Yeah, and I and I think that's one of the things too um that Chief brought up too, because a lot of it um in Congo is like you see like um Boko around those um rebel groups, a lot of those the, the mining um thing are taken over by rebel groups in, in Congo. And as I said, it's it's not because they're they're not going to be recognized the same way because they don't they they just get the raw material. It's, it's the same way like oh, you know the old blood diamond story, right? You, you're getting the raw material, but you're not getting credit mm -hmm. for for bringing it to market. So they have like child laborers working. They have um, extortion all around um, Congo in in the mining of it. They have corrupt politicians who are getting, um, you know getting money getting paid under the under the counter and it's it's not it's not um you know processed in the country so i think that might reflect in terms of the numbers because it's not processed there so it, it's taken to other countries the same way like the blood diamonds were taken from from um these african countries and they're processed in other countries and we don't you don't get the credit for it because you know you get it there like from the dirt and and they just get it for pennies and mine it in other countries the same thing hmm. all right thank you thank you everyone learn something new as always we're always learning when does it get too much never <laughs> all right folks so moving right along uh it's time for stories out of oh let's jump to canada for this one so did you all hear about the canadian actor that died after undergoing 12 plastic surgeries 
to look like BTS singer Jimin. Y'all heard about that one? <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, that was me. I know that was you, and thank you for laughing for me because this is ridiculous, really. But another one died. I'm um, trying to look like Kim Kardashian. Yeah, did mm-hmm. you see that one? The images are. <laughs> You know, I don't know what I don't know who I don't know how she saw Kim Kardashian the way she looked. I don't know what she was seeing when she was doing her surgery. When she was going to the doctor and asking for surgery, they should have told her that's not how Kim Kardashian looked. The doctors don't she has care. She a very though. tiny waist and a huge behind, huge bust, and the doctors no, they don't care. They don't care. Someone uh, sent that story in the back channel. Oh, they said okay. All right, Javed. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's truly ridiculous. So this Canadian actor, St. Vaughn Colucci, has passed after spending $220,000 over the course of 12 cosmetic operations so he could look like BTS star Jimin for an upcoming series. He died Sunday. Um at a South Korean hospital after having complications from all the plastic surgeries, his publicist told the Daily Mail. The 22-year-old, so young, received operations for jaw implants, a nose job, a facelift, lip reduction, an eyebrow lift, an eye lift, and more. He went under the knife to look like Jim in or Jim in for a role in a streaming show. TMZ is reporting he suffered an infection after receiving his jaw implants in November. He reportedly went into surgery Saturday night to have them removed, but it didn't go well. He had to be intubated and died hours later. Oh, sad. Go ahead. Go ahead, please. Let me just say my daughter. My chocolate daughter loves this group, okay? (laughs) I don't know what it is. It could be just their dancing, but she loves this group. But getting back to this story, his doctors should be liable because any real doctor would tell you you should not be having surgeries like that Mm -hmm. back to back to back to back. If they were legitimately concerned about his health versus the money, they would not have done it. And I just find it ridiculous that people do this to themselves. Let me just leave it there. But you know something, uh, since we're on the subject, Javet, let's talk about Angelo. What's her last name? Because she doesn't want to go by Black China anymore, right? She has a re- She's going through a rebirth. You know, she's removing everything, right? But I was not aware. I thought she paid for these things. She was a walking billboard for a lot of these um, cosmetic surgery or the folks within the cosmetic industry, cosmetic surgery industry. I can see that because most of these love and hip hop type basketball wife whatever whatever they're all walking billboards they're all advertisement i can't say all of them have the money to pay for all the work that they've done Mm -hmm. i'm sure it's the tv stations paying for it and anyone else that wants free advert well i won't say free advertisement but it is kind of free so 
you don't think about these risks. The money is so um, attractive that you would put your life at risk for the money. I mean, look at little Kim. Oh, Lord. Don't even she go on. Was she so was so beautiful. beautiful. She was a beautiful girl, I thought. I really thought that. I want to see how these people look, unfortunately, when they're uh, a couple of minutes from going to the next life. Uh, are we going to be able to come back? Well, I'm not, but centuries later, and they're still going to look the same in their casket? I don't know. I don't know. When does it stop? How can we get through to them that is not necessary? I'm all for surgery. Um if it's needed, I understand self-esteem issues, right? I understand, you know, because let's be honest, many of us look at ourselves and boy, I wish I could change this or I could change that. But when we talk about putting things in foreign matters in our body, to alter our bodies, because we want to have a bigger butt, hit the gym, do some squats. And if you're not meant to have a bigger butt, you're not meant to have it. Do you know that having a big butt can lead to back pains in case you didn't know? We want bigger boobs. That can also lead to back brain. You were not designed. Your body was not designed to have bigger boobs. You have people with natural big boobs who are doing reductions because of the back pain that they, they have. Some people are putting in boobs because they want to be able to wear certain dresses or shirts or whatever, certain outfits. Is that a valid enough reason when we think about it? Where do we draw the line? And for those of us who are altering our bodies, what are we saying to our young girls coming up? Or young boys, what are we teaching them? We, we can't talk about self-acceptance because we don't know what it is. And I'm saying we don't know what it is because we are changing things about ourselves. And we're, take, we're going to the extreme, if you ask me. Simply put, moments. If we was not self-hating or taught to be self-hating as we are, and if we wasn't as superficial, some of the problems that exist in our communities would eventually, would automatically evaporate. But we are socialized, we are taught that we are not beautiful. And we, we've seen that trend is sort of changing now, but we always want to be like what we see on TV, which is never what we are. Now, it's no longer on the TV, there are, the filters are on every phone. So even young children taking a picture, they have to put on a filter. There are grown-ups that would not post a picture without a filter because these have to be smooth and these have to be like this. You know, so it's just the way it is. It is a mental problem in my opinion because if you look at people that have surgery, most of the time they're constantly having surgery because there is always finding fault. It's in their head. 90% mm -hmm. of the time, from my humble opinion, it's in your head. It's in their head, Donald, and they're constantly comparing themselves to someone else. Did anyone see the photo that was put off? off um, I think it was Mary J. Blige at the beach. And she was being ridiculed for having cellulite in her legs. 
Really? Yes. Wow. She was being ridiculed for that. Cellulite is something that many people have. What's her name? Look at the model with the vitil um, vitiligo, the um, Jamaican model. What's her name? Oh my gosh, she's everywhere. Y'all know who I'm talking. And she was, she got her break from um, the Tyra Banks model. Winnie Harlow. Thank you, Geely. She has cellulite. And look how skinny she is. Zoom in on her photos. She has cellulite. So who came up with this idea that we are supposed to be perfect? You, you know what? I think I think these these type of things are going to um, contribute more and more to mental health issues because we're not allowed to grow into ourselves anymore. Like growing up, pretty much more than half of the people that I know, like you know, growing up like 16, 17, 18, like young girls did not like how they look or whatever. And fast forward 15 years later, these women are some of the most confident women. They love themselves more than you could imagine. And at 16, they, they, they're, they're like, oh, I didn't like my hair. I didn't like this. There are guys that I grew up with that was like bullied that were like, oh, you look like a nerd. You're ugly. You're this. And then 15 years later, these guys have six-pack, they are, they are big and thick, and you grow into who you're supposed to be. Like, But now we're giving young people an option, like, okay, if you don't like yourself at 21, change yourself. Like, like for like, especially like in our community, black women, you, you don't find more confident women than black women in their 40s who just like grow into who they're supposed to be. And they're like, you know, the amount of time I've heard women say, like, I'm living my best life at 40. Just imagine, like, if those same women at 18 had the option to, like, put on a bigger lip, a bigger this, a bigger that. That's going to be, like, you know, lead to mental health issues because you, once you start changing, you never stop changing. Yeah. And I just believe that as human beings, we accept who we are. Like, yeah, like, if you if you want to do little, you know, like little work or whatever, but to just like start changing up everything. No, it, it's, it's not good. You remember the story, James, about the Chinese man who sued his wife because she had so much plastic. Well, she, she did plastic surgery to look like something that she isn't. And then when the child was born, he was wondering why the child's so ugly. Come to find out the child looked like the mama. Catfishing. But, um, on a serious note, though, we need to get a grip. Check our self-esteem. Check in. And, you know, the, on, the sad thing is when you look at some of the comments of the people who are criticizing people for having dimples or stretch, stretch marks on their asses or cellulite in their legs or telling them that their noses aren't straight enough or your lips are too thick. Have you ever looked at these people who are making the um, who are doing the criticizing? These are people who don't look anything like what they're wishing the other people could look like or should look like. So how are you going to sit there in your insecurity and just tear someone else down? We need to stop it. 
We need to stop it. It started out in the magazines and in print media. And yes, it has transcended. And now it's everywhere. Every time you go on social media, it's this, 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 this. That's all you're seeing. This is what you're supposed to. Everybody's supposed to have a flat stomach. Well, sorry. I, sorry to disappoint you. I don't have one. And everybody's supposed to have this hourglass shape. And everybody's supposed to have this big behind. Men are now putting in implants to ex what you call it leg extenders to get a couple more inches they're doing um extensions of their penis they're doing six packs putting in fake muscles we are a race well everybody all races are so messed up What is it going to take for us to get back to basics and learn to accept and love ourselves? When? And how are you going to be fake on the inside, but saying you want a real man or a real woman? How does that work? Explain that to me. Oh, I want a real man. But meanwhile, you have fake lips, fake boobs, a fake butt. But you want a real man? And for the men who are doing the implants, oh, I need me a real woman, a nice homebody woman. But you're fake. It's all in the mind, as you say, James. We got to get a grip. Got to get a grip of ourselves. We got to learn to love ourselves. Go right ahead. Yeah, ahead, I, I think I think relationship in the future is going to be so complicated because I feel like it's almost like by law, no, you have to have like some kind of clause where you have to disclose like like stuff that you know because you 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 meet someone and you get you get married to this person and you know like oh just say for example like a woman you meet you meet this guy and he has like a fake penis or ex or, or penis extension whatever that that's not natural right so at some point it's going to start malfunction. Don't you think as a woman you have the right to know that? I want to know. I want to know. Yeah, you, you, yeah. So I, I think it's going to be so complicated because, you know, as if you know, like it's life is not hard enough, like with with relationships and stuff like that. But if you are, you know, you are getting married to someone that you think is this person, and then you you get married, and five years later, like when you have to start changing out your body parts because it, it expire, you say, oh, honey, like um. My, my six pack was a real and it have an expiry date. So now I'm going to have to change it and, you know, put another mortgage on it or something like that. It, it's, it's, just, it's just ridiculous. It is. All right, folks, move. You know what? This internet is something else. You, we talk about, um, <laughs> they're, they're really listening to us. I know we've said this before. So we're here having this conversation. And you know what's popping up on the screen? <laughs> Enlargement. Enlargement. <laughs> Lord help us. <sighs> they are indeed listening to us. Yeah. And they are pumping information to us. Look at this other one popping up. Um, they're giving me locations not too far from my house where I can go to get um, plastic surgery done. You know what? Enough. All right. Next up. America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't 
Look at you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Look how I'm living now. Police be tripping now. Yeah, this is America. It is time for news out of North America. So first up, Florida Republican Senator files to amend resign to run law ahead of Governor DeSantis's potential 2024 presidential bid. Story courtesy of Bala Alert. <laughs> These people are something else. <sighs> Republicans stick together, or at least that's the case in Florida. A Republican senator has filed to amend a law that could help Florida Governor Ron DeSantis if he decides to go after a 2024 presidential bid. Senator Travis Huston filed an amendment to an elections bill in the state Senate proposing altering the resign-to-run law language. If approved, the resignation requirement would not apply to persons seeking the office of president or vice president of the United States. And that's according to um, CBS News. The state's law currently prohibits a public official from running for another office while in their elected without sending a resignation letter. DeSantis would have to send his letter 10 days before Florida's presidential qualification deadline at the beginning of December. His resignation would be irrevocable and take effect the day the president-elect is inaugurated in 2025, even if he loses in the primary or general election. The amendments made to S.99.012 Florida statutes by this act are intended to clarify existing law. In 2007, Florida repealed the resign to run when then-Republican Governor Charlie Crist was on the list to be 2008 GOP nominee John McCain's running mate. Former Republican Governor and Senator Rick Scott signed the law into effect in 2018. If the amendment passes through, it will take effect July 1. The amendment will be discussed and debated on Wednesday with a potential vote the same day or following day. So that's next week. DeSantis said he wouldn't decide on a 2024 presidential run until after the legislative session ends in early May. Oh, boy. At this point, can we cut off Florida? (laughs) I need to move out first, though. I was about to say. Say that again, so that you, you close your mic. Too quick. I was about to say, if you, how are you going to cut off? You're going to be stuck on that island with those crazies. <laughs> but um, does that mean, if, okay, let me understand that that bill, because it hasn't been ratified or, or decided until July 1st. If he decides to then say on May 31st or June 1st that he's going to run for the president of the U.S., he's still able to come back to his job should he fail, right? Mm-hmm. Because, uh-huh. because in July 1st, if he does it before July 1st, he still has that chance. Okay, cool. That's what I, I just wanted to talk it out. Wow. <laughs> they should hurry up that bill. <laughs> oh, 
Lord have mercy. Welcome to Florida, folks. It's fantastic down here in Florida. Um, we have lovely weather. The beaches are always booming, you know, so Florida is still a great state. But you know something, they got to be careful with the state of Florida because I read somewhere last night, and yes, I didn't save this one, um, that the NAACP is threatening a travel advisory, or did they do it, against the state of Florida and reminding Florida of the impact such a decision can make, can have on the state of Florida because they did it, I think, with, was it North Carolina? North Carolina lost millions of dollars. And I think they did it with another state where over $60 million was lost. Yeah. Do I think DeSantis cares? No. No, I'm sadly, I don't know how much teeth the NAACP still have. I feel, I mean, it's sad to say that, but I don't, it's sad to say that. I don't, I don't know if they have that much pull on, on the community at large, but I'm just, somebody else can tell me that I'm wrong. Yeah. I don't know. But I came across that. Well, it's, they seem to have some amount of influence. Um, Yeah. But, but mommy, isn't isn't that crazy that they can do that on their own without um the, the citizens of, of Florida? Shouldn't that be like shouldn't that be like one of those votes um that have, have its own ballot where you 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 allow the, the the residents or the citizens to decide? It should be that way. Yeah, like for them to just so like for them to decide that and then if say fast forward ten years from now, um a democratic um candidate is in is in um the position of winning then they can reverse it and say like you know that that's 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 foolery that's why they you know like because they keep flip-flopping like in the future if a democrat is like in position then the, the republicans can come back and say you know that this bill need to go back to where it was um where you have to step down before you know so the, the people should should decide that not 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 the the 0.00 percent of representative in 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 political office (laughs) and on another note as far as DeSantis is concerned in Jerusalem DeSantis offers support for Israel amid country's tumult rise of anti-Semitism story courtesy of WSVN or I should say courtesy of CNN via WSVN allies Maintaining a strong U.S.-Israel relationship has been a priority for me during my time in election. Well, let me let me start it over. I don't know. It started midway. Here we go. Israel to mark the country's 75th anniversary. Yeah, the governor is speaking just before three this morning, our time at the Museum of Tolerance in Jerusalem. He highlighted the importance of the U.S. and Florida continuing to be allies with Israel and the hardship the country has overcome to thrive in what he called the toughest neighborhood in the world. Through all these challenges, Israel stands tall as a beacon of freedom in a troubled region, an engine of economic growth and opportunity, and a center of innovation and technology that is the envy of the world. Israel is also one of America's most valued and trusted trusted allies. Maintaining a strong U.S.-Israel relationship has been a priority for me during my time in elective office, and I know it's been a priority for the overwhelming majority of the American people. Well, the governor talked about the many issues Israel and Florida work together on, from helping patients with Alzheimer's to studying algae blooms in Lake Okeechobee. I have a quick question. 
Israel was founded in 1948. Can somebody explain that to me? What do you, what do you mean? Because I thought Israel was from more than 2,000 years ago. I didn't know it was just founded in 1948. In the current location, it became a state in 1948 after World War II. Um, descendants um, from, uh, yes, it's, it happened in 1949 or 48? I forget. 48. Oh, May 14, it. yeah. Yeah, 48. It, it only became a state in the current location then. But Israel as a historic location has always existed, but it only became, sorry, I'm trying to make no, noise that's okay. now, um, became a state then. So I, I wish I knew the whole history. There is more. I can easily there, dig. Let's yeah, dig it out. Yeah. But then the, the country, the, yeah. is, go ahead, I'm, go ahead, I'm stopped. It's squatting on Palestinian land. Zionism. Yeah, that's that's why that war for the, the Gaza Strip is, is like the war that never ends. Because, and it will yeah, never end, James. Yeah, capture land, yeah. Hmm. If you go back and look at the Gaza Strip like 20 years ago, and you look at it now, it's a fraction of what it used to be. And the occupied territory keep increasing every time they build building new settlements. So right now, the Palestinians is basically like hostage in their own land. So, okay, who are the people living in Israel right now? Are these Europeans or Europeans, however you pronounce it, depending on where you're from? Are these the Europeans or are these folks who are from the Middle East? Who lives in Israel? They're a mix. They're a mix. They're Europeans. They're people who lived in um, in the Middle East, and they're also a large chunk of people from Ethiopia who were Sephardic and were Jewish by um, by um, heritage. Jewish heritage. Okay. All right. Huh. Doesn't Ethiopia has a larger population of Jews? A large population of them were um, were transported to Israel when they had a um, a policy and program to to grab grab is wrong term to welcome more Jewish people to increase the population. So that happened in droves. I think it was in the seventies um, and eighties. Hmm. So. Um... I have never really sat down and tried to study the history of Israel, right? Never really have. Um, and probably it's something I should, I, I, I can't read it. I need to listen to it. So I probably need to find a trusted source because, you know, everybody will push their own narrative. We know how that works, right? Um, to find, to understand the true story behind Israel through the ages, yeah. Hmm. Check the history channel. Check um, A and E. There's several places you can find it that, that have done it. Um, really, you don't have to even be careful of the YouTube sites because you're going to find them who have their own political leanings about either pro or anti. Right. And then you're going to get some, some, some craziness. But check a history channel. You'll, I'm sure 
if they they still exist, I'm, I think. But you can go back to archives and find it. There is truth to it. How they came about, and given excuse me, given that it's the seventy fifth seventy fifth anniversary, I'm sure people have done an expose or something about them mm-hmm. recently, extremely recently. Yeah. I'm done speaking. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for humoring me. All right. So he's over there doing that. And, and of course, in South Florida, we do have a huge um, Jewish population, as we know, when 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 they have their religious, um, what you call it, days, we schools are closed here. Yeah. All right. Next up, um, a man has been arrested in decades old rapes in Michigan and Pennsylvania after DNA from a coffee cup linked him to the crimes, officials say. Story courtesy of CNN. A Michigan man is facing felony charges after DNA from a coffee cup linked him to two rapes in different states from more than 20 years ago, a prosecutor said. Alan Kurt Relema, or Relema, 51, was arrested last week and arraigned in Michigan on charges of first and second degree criminal sexual conduct. He also faces felony charges in Pennsylvania, according to court documents. The charges are the latest stemming from advances in investigative genetic genealogy leading authorities to a suspect in a decades-old cold case. The first rape... um, he is accused of, was reported at a golf course in Michigan in 1999. Someone came in through an employee-only door and sexually assaulted a young woman who was working at the course's food stand. And that's according to Oakland County Sheriff Michael Bouchard at a news conference. Investigators at the time obtained DNA but did not have a suspect. Then another rape was reported in 2000 at a golf course at Penn State University, where a woman was attacked while she was jogging and raped at knife point. Investigators in both states who had submitted DNA samples to a national database got a match linking the attacks to the same suspect. Okay, I need to dig a little deeper. How did they finally, what else did he do? He must have done something for them to be able to link everything together um or did they have their suspicions of him but because they didn't have dna evidence or other dna evidence from 19 no what i'm saying is not making sense something is off here from so dna has been on record since 1999 for the rape he did in 99 and 2000 but it's just now they're able to link it to him via a coffee cup that was thrown out. I'm trying to figure what did he do? He must have done something else recently. He, he just he raped somebody in a couple of years. Is not what you just said. I'm my missing. Yeah, but yeah, but He's, but here's the thing, Sonette, that's not connecting for me. So he did that in '99 and 2000, right? How is it that they're only now able to link him to it through a coffee cup? What did he recently do for them to run DNA and realize, oh, okay, 99 and 2000, he's linked to those two. That's what I'm not getting. It sounds like he threw, they were watching him. They were looking for DNA evidence to get from him. And he threw out a coffee cup at Starbucks. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Let's not mention the place. <laughs> And they went in the trash and got it. 
But you're telling me from '99 till now, it took that oh, long yeah. for them to get something of him. Of they, his? Have lot, they have a lot of rape kits and uh, DNA from years ago that they have not processed. They're just going through the process, and he was the one. Hmm. That's what. How many years is that? Twenty '99. That's what. Twenty-four years. Watching him for 24 years, it took them 24 years to pin him down. That, that part seems a little off to me. I don't know. 20, I'm, I'm still trying to dig here. Um, authorities were able to narrow the list to Rilemma after Michigan police obtained a DNA sample by following him and taking his DNA from a styrofoam cup. Okay, so you're telling me in the 24 years, this is the only time he ever used a disposable cup? The only time he never used anything anywhere else and he 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 messed up this time after 24 years? I guess. No. I don't think it was the same team that was investigating him for 24 years. Something new must have come up, some sort of witness, some sort of statements just to, to increase the suspicion that it was him. I, 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 cannot, I cannot imagine that 24 years straight they were looking for him. Yeah. It just became a cold case and then it got reopened after somebody said something. I it just That yeah. just doesn't make sense. Exactly. So you see where I'm going, Sunday. That's why I'm trying to wrap my head around it. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you for being there with me. So senators to introduce a bill aimed at strengthening ethical guidelines in the Supreme Court. Here is more in this report. Um, story is courtesy of CNN via WSVN. A request to testify. The Chief Justice of the Supreme Court respectfully refusing a request by a Senate committee. That request to talk about the court's ethical standards in the wake of reports Justice Clarence Thomas had a close relationship with a certain billionaire. Lucas Tomlinson reports. A stern response from Senator Dick Durbin after Chief Justice John Roberts declined a request to testify at an ethical standards hearing next week. Durbin writing in a statement, quote, make no mistake, Supreme Court ethics reform must happen, whether the court participates in the process or not. And Roberts writing, quote, testimony before the Senate Judiciary Committee by the Chief Justice of the United States is exceedingly rare, as one might expect in light of separation of powers concerns and the importance of preserving judicial independence. Accompanying Roberts's letter to Durbin was a statement on ethics principles and practices signed by all nine justices describing the rules they follow regarding travel, gifts, and outside income. The renewed cry for ethics reform on the nation's court comes after a close relationship between Justice Clarence Thomas and conservative Texas billionaire donor Harlan Crow has come to light. Crow treated the justice to lavish trips over the years. A 2014 real estate deal worth more than $100,000 is the first public evidence of a direct financial transaction between the two. Justice Thomas plans to amend his disclosures as other justices have done in the past. Why this Supreme Court, these nine justices, believe they are exempt from the basic standards of disclosure, yeah. I cannot explain. Durbin says Democratic lawmakers will proceed with the May 2nd hearings on Supreme Court ethics standards without Chief Justice Roberts. In Washington, Lucas Tomlinson, 7 News. The Chief Justice... <laughs> Can you imagine how much more is going to come to light? Yeah. 
I mean, Thomas, you might as well go ahead and expose everything, and I would encourage all the other justices to do the same, follow suit. Just expose everything now. Don't get your hand caught in the cookie jar. And for argument's sake, if more things do come to light, then what? That's the part we're going to wait to see, right, Donald? Are they going to hold them accountable? Will he be... What is the process that you go through to remove a judge? But can, can you hold them accountable? Oh, they're above the law. None of them really no, no, no. They can be impeached. They can be okay. impeached in every case that he has worked on. Any of the justices who are found to have done something illegal, taken money from from people, they have to review every case they've ever worked on, and it would be an absolute mess. Every Supreme Court decision ever made and signed off by that individual has to get overturned and reviewed. He, 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 he gets impeached. Wow. Impeached does not mean termination, though. It's in, like, like the president was impeached twice, Donald Trump. <laughs> He has to, he can either, after impeachment, they have to decide, are they going to terminate him or is he going to um, resign? I'm done. So the impeachment is the only mechanism that we can use to expel a Supreme Court judge. All right. Thank you, Sonette. Go right ahead, Dono. No, no, I was finished. Oh, okay. Interesting. And we know how long that process can be, right? And then you're going to have those who are going to say, nay, I'm not in favor of him being impeached. Um, because, of course, everybody has a bag of secrets that they're holding for somebody else, right? And they have to protect him. Hmm. Congressional hearings have to happen. That's exactly right. It's not only that. You're looking at the balance of the court. Hmm. Once you start to remove justices, you start to affect the balance of the court. The Democrats are in power. So, you know, if you remove a Republican-appointed judge and the Democrats could put you in a democratic-leaning judge or whatever, however you term it, then the balance of the court now has been shifted. Mm-hmm. And they don't want that, right? So they're going to fight with all their might. Can you imagine the, 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 the conversations at the dinner table? Everybody's shuffling to see how they can make sure that their interests are protected. Ooh, it's a nightmare for them. I always find it interesting that the most powerful judges in the land is based on political um, appointments that is clearly biased. I always find it interesting. So again, we need to reiterate the importance for things to change. No Supreme Court judge should be there for life. Plain and simple. No other way to put it. More and more we're seeing the reasons why they need to make changes. Yeah. All right, next up. A judge reportedly refuses to allow Flo Rida to testify in child support hearing after he failed to appear in person. According to Baller Alert and TMZ, Florida reportedly did not get that opportunity to plead his case during a Tuesday NYC family court hearing. Uh, and uh, the rapper tried to 
<laughs> zoom into the hearing and the judge was not having it. The right round artist was scheduled to appear in court to face claims by his ex Alexis Adams that he's behind on medical and tuition payments for their disabled son who was recently hospitalized with serious injuries after falling from the fifth floor of an apartment building in March. The rapper in 2018 was ordered to pay all medical and school costs for their son Zohar as part of a custody agreement. However, Adams claims that Flo, whose real name is Tremar Dillard, has not kept up with the payments. Hmm. Adams has requested a judge uh, order the rapper who recently won $82.5 million in an energy drink lawsuit to set aside $400,000 in a bank account to pay various expenses for their son, who is also autistic and suffers from a rare disorder known as hydrocephalus. Did I say that right? Virginia, let me know. Give me the thumbs up, please, if I did it right or wrong. While Adams got the opportunity to speak to the judge, TMZ reports Flo did not since he didn't show up to... Um, not show up physically and instead attempted to testify via zoom adams told the judge her child's father stopped making payments towards the insurance during a crucial time which forced her to file for medicaid and department of education she also called florida out for his social media post following zohar's accident saying he never even met the six-year-old huh okay how can you, if she is right, I'm not saying she is, that's what I'm saying. If she is right, what is the reason behind him never having met his six-year-old child? Number one. Number two, if you have the money, why should you have to be dragged in the media? That's my Number two, question. Number three, why did this come to the forefront only after he recently won the $82.5 million? It, I, oh, oh, shut up. <laughs> no, go ahead, so that, bring it, so that, bring it, bring it, bring it. I, I, it doesn't sound like it just came to the forefront. Okay. Because there had been a struggle for six years. The fact that he didn't meet the child is obviously he has no relationship with, with the woman. He's a musician. Well, hold on. He was his, she was his girlfriend. At some she, point. So that means they, um, there was a relationship, obviously. The child became a, a product of the relationship, but not the, rela the relationship didn't keep going. Um, but it sounds like there had been a constant back and forth for for money and he was aware of the child's accident back in march because it was very publicized so he just hmm. don't care enough unfortunately it sounds like he doesn't care enough that's all i'm gonna say i don't know him i don't know in his head but my goodness gracious yeah so um, she was a jump process christian ah! no i think <laughs> the, the story when, when you when women read the story though crystal um i think she said a former girlfriend if i'm not mistaken but your definition of my definition of girlfriend are two different things, right? True, 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 true. But he clearly knew about the child, right? Because, um, so in 2018, okay, in 2018, 
he was ordered to pay all medical and school costs for their son. So he knows about this child, right? Since 2018, he knows that the child is um, disabled. He knows the child is autistic and has the rare disorder. So he knows. So he failed to keep up with the custody agreement, which is to pay medical and school costs. Hmm. What they say, out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. This is not one of his, he's not happy about this child, so he's not going to take care of it. I'm sorry, it yeah. sounds gross, but yeah. It sounds gross, but it's the reality. That's, that's what it boils down to, though, Sunette. Because this child isn't, quote-unquote, normal, he doesn't want to have anything to do with it. Hence the reason why he has never met the child who is now six years old. He just He's okay paying the money. Well, was okay paying the money. But now it's a burden. I don't know. It doesn't fit into his narrative. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Okay. She's trying to play me in the, in the chat. Chief, don't, don't, don't try it. You know I'm a dictator today, so don't try it. <laughs> Chief, you don't want to be put in the goo, Chief. You don't want to be put in the goo. <laughs> so that ain't playing with y'all today. All right, folks, it's time for us to take another quick break. When we return, we have business and tech news. Here is some rumors them spreading. Claims that I sense me planting. But I'm an the done in the juggling. I fear rumors of war. Me in a carriage, make the earth go, yeah, make the sea 
from you that Jamaica whatever your style Trinidad, Miami, New York, the Virgin Isle Girl, if you're lonely, you know the number for dial You no need no application, come me get the profile Yeah, and if it's been a while, no say nothing that's wild Yeah, and if me tell your far, me would have walk no mile Yeah, me girl, child, because you've got what I've been searching for So hot, yet you're cool as a breeze flow I'm got it, sir, what are you waiting for? Girl, just come let me now Stop we from see one another But no matter how them try Them can't stop the works We was made for each other Call up for them but love it Try to stop we from see one another But no matter how them try Them can't stop the works Girl can't say you never know eh. You've got what I've been searching for So I'll get your cool as a breeze flow I'm got it sir What are you waiting for Girl just come let me know everyone listening on the quality music zone qmzradio.com and thank you to everyone listening on janoradio.com 
You could be listening elsewhere, but you chose to tune in to us today, and we appreciate you. She doesn't want me around. She's got something to hide. I think she wants a clown. Someone to take for a ride. But this is what I say. I'm too experienced to be taken for a stroll. Of course, I gotta give a big thank you to my Clubhouse family. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. It's not my foolish pride. Oh, For that one, Barrington Levy, it's time for us to get into business and tech news. So I got to check in with my New Yorkers, folks. We got to, you know, pray for our New Yorkers, Tasha, Jilly, uh, Donald. Who else? Who else is in here is in New York? We got to pray for the New Yorkers, folks. Sin. I sin. think sin. Yes, sin. We got to pray for sin. Um, who else? Yes, we got to put the prayer list together, folks, um, because half of NYC households face cost of living crisis wow i don't think it's just new york alone i think it's the whole damn country right about now california florida new york what's up all right well bbc news is reporting that half of working age households in new york city do not make enough money to cover basic needs according to a new report that marks a significant jump from the group's 2021 study when it found that 36 percent of households were struggling it said the surge was driven by the sharp rise in prices in recent years especially for housing and childcare. It comes as families around the world are facing rising living costs. In 2023, a family of four would need to make more than $100,000 to match costs anywhere in New York City. That is significantly higher than roughly $70,000 median household income in the city reported by the U.S. Census. The report was commissioned by the Fund for the City of New York, which is backed by the Ford Foundation and the charity United Way of New York City. A a similar study has been conducted periodically since 2000. The analysis examines the true cost of living, a measure that reflects local costs and housing size. It is more comprehensive metric than the official poverty measure in the U.S., which was developed in the 1960s. By that measure, just 16% of households in New York City are living in poverty. 
There are many more people in New York City who struggle to meet their basic needs than the government's official poverty statistics capture. And that's according to the author who wrote the report. We find that New York City families struggling to make ends meet are neither a small nor a marginal group, but rather represent a substantial portion of households in the state. The report found that single mothers, people of color, and foreign-born were disproportionately likely to be struggling, but the problem also affected those with jobs and higher education. Among households with at least one person working, 40% could not cover basic costs, it found, while more than half of those who did not make enough to cover the cost of living had at least some college education. The report comes as many countries are struggling to rein in rapidly rising prices, which were once thought to reflect temporary shocks stemming from the pandemic and war in Ukraine, but have proven stubbornly persistent. Inflation, the rate at which prices rise, is expected to be 7% globally this year, according to the IMF's most recent outlook. In the UK, inflation is at 10.1%, close to a 40-year high. Well, I have some bad news for everybody around the world. The prices aren't going to go down. Let it be known. The prices that we're seeing today, not going to go down. And when has it ever really gone down? Let's think back over the years. Thinking back over the years. We all shedded some tears, right? We all felt some pain. And every time there is an increase, there is inflation. We cry, we complain, we we tear our hair out. We have to reorganize our budget. We realize that our our ability to save keeps shrinking and it forces us. Um, we've been forced into taking up second jobs, third jobs, or um, venturing out and being brave to start a side business or a side hustle. It's not going to change. It's not going to change. Don't think that... Um, the cost of the loaf of bread is going to go back to normal. It's not. It's going to stay where it's at. We are going to become numb to it. But should we become numb to it? Or should we be demanding more from our government? Remember, they fought and they argued and nobody wants to raise a minimum wage. And some agreed to raise the minimum wage, but it has to be done over a period of time. It has to be eased into because they can't withstand the drastic minimum wage increase. Some are saying, oh, $15 is too much for minimum wage. Really? In which world? You know, and I say, I dare, I dare anyone who sits up there in Washington Get out of your office for a second and go get the income of a minimum wage earner in the state that you represent, the city you represent, whatever. Go into your state. Have your cushion removed from you. You can't tap into anything. You have zero access. You're going to be blocked from everything. And you can only survive for one month off of minimum wage. I challenge any CEO 
to get up from around your oak desk and get the income, take the income of your lowest person in your the person who earns the least and live off of that just for one month. Will you then be quick to scale back the prices as you continue to rack up your um, net profits? Will you government officials be more inclined to work with corporations for them to do better? Stop giving them $20,000 a head for every person that they employ and they don't care if the person leaves after 90 days because what's going to happen is the state is going to give them another $20,000 for making somebody employed, moving them from unemployed to employed. We need, we need a shift. We need a shift. You're getting many companies. You're already getting, getting tax breaks, right? You're allowed to write off so many expenses. Why do we need to pay you to move someone from the unemployment line to the employment line? And then you don't even do right by them to ensure that they stay in these jobs by making sure that you are human driven. Right? Because if you could not get another 23000 for two years, I guarantee you would do better. You would listen to your employees. You'd probably take a page out of the book in Germany. I don't know. I'm probably, you know what, Donald, you're right. I need to wake up and stop dreaming. Go right ahead. No, it was me. Oh, Jeanette, go ahead. I don't Sorry. see Donald anymore. Oh, okay. Um, That's why I enjoyed the show Undercover Boss. Mm-hmm. because it allowed them to come off of their pedestal and come down into the real world. And we need a lot more people to actually do that, just like you said. So I so agree with you there. I yield. Thank you. Thank you, Javed. You know, yesterday, <laughs> so I normally buy the toothpaste at um, one retailer, right? I went not paying much attention not paying much attention so i wasn't until yesterday i took up the tube of toothpaste and i was like what the heck why does this look smaller so call me frugal i don't give a damn so you know when you you finish squeezing out the toothpaste so i have quite a few of them stacked up so i decided to take the scissors because you know there's a lot of toothpaste left in them right don't be throwing them out you better get your every dollar out of Facts. them suckers. Facts. So I cut off the bottom. And you know, you open it up and then you use your toothbrush and you scoop it out. Because that, you can get at least three three uses out of it before you toss it. Because a lot of it settles in the neck. You better get your money's worth because they're getting their money out of you. Call me frugal. Call me cheap. I don't give a damn. But it's facts. <laughs> it is facts. And I it used to... My daughter likes to squeeze the tube from the middle, which uh -huh. makes it even worse. Uh -huh. But yes, I do the same thing moments. Oh, yeah. I go into my boys' bathrooms every now and again, and I use their toothbrush and push up from the base, push it right up. Oh, yeah, I do that. Mm -hmm. I don't care. <laughs> I, I got to no, watch every penny. <laughs> I used to just re refuse to buy another toothpaste until she cut it open and used what's in the middle. <laughs> That's what I did so, to my daughter. I didn't care. So, yo, 
yesterday, I pick up the toothpaste that we have in our bathroom. And I'm about to use it. I'm like, hold on a second. Why does the tube look smaller? So I go to my stack of used toothpaste tubes. And I put them side by side. Significantly smaller. But I'm paying the same price. Three in the box. You get three in the box, right? Significantly smaller. It's not going to change, folks. Yeah, moments. That, that's a strategy that I've, I've um, seen going on for the past about, I would say about six years. I've been observing it. Um, and it happens right across the board with supermarkets. What they do, <laughs> whenever you see like, for example, I think the first one I I saw it happen with was cheese. You go you go to the, the supermarket and you see in the the the, the, the section you see like um, say for example cheese was like five dollars a bar and you see it on sale for like um two ninety nine and you're so excited you grab them up and they, they'll have it for like a week or two and they have it for like you know two ninety nine it, it was five it was five dollars before. You grab them up, but you're not paying attention that they changed the the, the measurement of it, because like it was four one time it was about four fifty, um, what what did it do milligram or something like that, and then it went to four. And so when they put it on sale, you you're excited about saving the two dollars, and then it go back to regular price, and then what when you when you start noticing is that like, when you finally catch what's going on. They take off um, some of the, the ounces off it al already, and you're paying the same price. And then a few months later, they increase it. So they they they, they make them smaller at the same price, and then a few months after, and they do it with everything. You you, you go. The latest one now is the paper towel. The paper towels just get smaller. The sheets mm -hmm. just get smaller and smaller and smaller. And then the price go up. So like they they're just messing with us left, right, and center. Mm -hmm. Look at, um, oh, Java put it in the um, chat. The potato chip bag, it's filled with air. Air. Soap, the sizes of the soap you use has shrunk. By the way, Tasha, you need to put up the price of your soaps. You give a lot of soap for, you know, you give us a real bang for a buck. Mm -hmm. You better push up them prices, Tasha. But seriously, it is ridiculous. Bleach, have you noticed that the, the size of the bleach bottles has got smaller? Uh-huh. Yes. And Sunette put in the chat when you started basically everything. She said orange juice has moved from, what she said, 64 ounce to now 59 ounce or mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. it, it's everything. And who is the one losing? We are. We're not getting bang for a buck anymore. And the quality has changed as well. Yep. Oh, talk about the quality. So, you know, I, you know, I always talk about my buy one, get one freeze. And that's what I, in a certain supermarket, that's what I use. Buy one, get one free. Love it. Right. So picked up this particular brand of dishwashing um, detergent, dishwashing liquid. And I noticed that. You squeeze out some on the sponge, right? And you're washing. And you never finish wash the something yet. Soap up the something. And you realize you have to squeeze out some more. 
So the bottle that would probably last me about two weeks is down to a week. So the quality is not the same. It's not the same. It's not going to change, folks. We are going to have to just learn to deal with it because they're not going to care. They're not going to care. Yeah, another trick too that you can use because when, like, when I just got married, my wife used to, you know, cuss me out and say I'm cheap. But no, like, I kind of win her over because, you know, I used to do the shopping because I do most of the cooking, right? So, like, I used to tell her that, you know, I want to do the shopping because. I'm cooking, so I just feel that I shop. But she wasn't comfortable with a lot of the stuff because what I used to buy a lot of the store brand stuff, and now she's realizing that a lot of the store brand stuff are the same quality as, as the, the the brand name stuff. Like, for example, like we used to buy this um, store brand, like Ash Browns, mm -hmm. and she used to say, like, why are we not buying the the, um, the Caddish, that, that name brand one? Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, no, like it's it's the same thing or whatever. So after we buy, we start buying it for a while, then we realize that some of the store brand you have to do your research. Some of the store brand products are even better than the brand name products because the brand name products, like the 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 people are just buying off the brand now, and when they start buying off the brand because the brand name is carrying it now, the quality drops. So like now with the Kaddish like ash browns like it's the dump salt in it is like 90 percent salt like it like you're just eating salt mm -hmm. and the, mm -hmm. the, the store brand one it's like less salt and it, it it's more crunchy and better so now we're buying that so if you go to the supermarket most supermarkets have their the, the little um no name brands kind of thing mm -hmm. there are certain items not everything some of them are inferior but if you do your research, there are certain items that are the same quality or even better quality than the, the, the so-called name brand ones. And you can save like, like even the Ash Browns, we're saving like a dollar fifty. And that's a lot of money, especially if you have like a big family with like, you know, kids. That, like that mine, a, lot of food. Six, yeah. a family of six. Yeah, like yeah, mine. yeah. You save money on Ash Browns. Yeah, that, but, that's a, a lot, massive savings. <laughs> But I, t I tell you something, um, James, I, the supermarket that I go to, the primary one, yeah, I love their products. Their products are of good quality. But I wanted to say this. So I learned this um, some years ago when we were living in Georgia and Marlon used to pull oil, um, cooking oil. So there is a plant in Georgia and we would, he would go, and I, I went with him a couple of times to pick up the oil to, you know, to take to various um, warehouses for delivery. <laughs> Listen, stop worrying about the brand at the same damn aisle. Just a different label. That's it. Same damn oil, different label. That's it folks so we sit down here thinking canola better than western better than this better than the store brand better than that they all come out of the same damn place same oil you, you know my neighbor worked for um one of the oil companies and he told me the oil at the gas station is all the same too mm -hmm. 
I don't understand why then you have the three different choices. <laughs> he can never really explain that to me, but he says it's all the same. It's called making money, Javed. Play with our minds. Right? That's what they're doing. They're playing with us. And they, they, they fooled us. For real. We think it's better. We think it's better. But hey. You ever, so, you ever use Irish Spring and realize that Irish Spring is soapy up with it two times and it done? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, when I figured that out, I, I love, I use Dove because <laughs> I have a lot of allergies. Right. And when I noticed that the soap is smaller, it don't lather up as much as it used to as well. Ridiculous. So for me, I've been, I use um, Dial, the antibacterial soap. That's what everybody bathes with. And then... I also use the soap that I get from Tasha because of my eczema, right? So, yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The Dow soap shrunk too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and one thing too, your freezer, your freezer is your best friend. Like everybody should have a freezer. Cause like You mean a deep freeze like, or a stand-up freezer, the one like, separate from the fridge? Well, I don't really like the deep freezer anymore. You know, the, the ones that they have, the standing up freezer, like uh -huh. it's all freezer. Like yeah. those ones are, are amazing. Oh, yeah, they and are. Like for me, like I'm like the food police <laughs> at, my, at my house. <laughs> Champs, no. No, seriously. No, moments. Like you have to understand, like I grew up in a time where I didn't, I never, I did not eat oxtail until I was about 24. Like we used to eat turkey neck. Turkey neck was all oxtail, right? And so, like, when I have kids now that we're giving them, like, premium stuff and they're throwing away stuff, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, daddy never eat any of these stuff until he was an adult. So you guys can't be just, like, throwing away dumping stuff, you know? And so with the freezer now, like, you buy stuff in bulk and you freeze them. And, like, even, for example, one of the stuff that I do, because my son have a lot of allergies, so, like, I cook a lot of fresh um, stuff for him so like meatballs and all this type of stuff you go into the supermarket you're buying meatballs you, you can't say you don't eat pork if you eat meatballs because they put everything in it mm -hmm. you don't know what going to meatballs in in the store so they can put donkey then can put you know powder, can put goat, <laughs> get to the point <laughs> no serious so what i do like if we cook and we have like leftover vegetables like carrots and stuff like that i freeze that stuff and when I'm making um, meatballs, like I buy the fresh grounded beef mm -hmm. and I blend up all the carrots and all the vegetable and I just put that inside the meatballs. So the kids, they're getting vegetables, they're getting mushroom, they're getting carrots, they're getting everything. I don't use bread as a filler because in the, su the supermarket, one, they use bread. Uh, my son has gluten, he's gluten intolerant, so he can't have bread. So like all the vegetables and stuff, I put them in the freezer. Like when I'm making meatballs, I take it out. I put it in the magic bullet, blend it up, and I put that in that meatballs. Your freezer is your best friend. You save a lot of money with your freezer. <laughs> All right. Thank you, James. Folks, we're just going to have to buckle, tighten our belts and learn to adjust. That's what it is. It's not going to change, you know, unfortunately. <sighs> yes, I, I shudder to think about what it's going to be 10 years from now. All right. In our next story, AI boosts 
productivity by 14% in real-world study, especially for least-skilled workers. Story courtesy of WSVN. In a recent study on artificial intelligence, AI workers who utilized AI tools were found to be 14% more productive than those who did not. The study, which was conducted in a real-world setting by researchers at Stanford University and the Massachusetts Institute of uh, Technology, also revealed that the least skilled workers benefited the most from AI. The findings of um, the study are significant as more and more companies are planning to integrate AI into their offerings. AI has been touted as a game changer in the workplace with its ability to automate repetitive tasks and provide data-driven insights. Researchers analyzed data from a group of customer service workers at a Fortune 500 software firm who were given access to generative AI tools. The AI assistant was trained on a large set of successful customer service conversations to help workers determine the best language to use on customers. They compared their productivity levels with a group of workers who did not use these tools. Results showed a clear productivity boost for those who used AI with the least skilled workers experiencing the most significant improvements. And it's so funny, as I'm reading this, um, I saw uh, a thing, Javed said that customer service is deplorable, the essence of what she's saying, right? So it is true. Many people on social media are complaining about customer service. Well, guess what? If you don't sharpen up your customer service skills, AI is going to take that job from you. I have found it too, Javet, that customer servicing, customer servicing like it used to customer service before. People are rude. Rude, rude, rude as heck. They don't know what customer service is. I don't know if it's that they lack the training. I don't know if the quality assurance department within the companies with which they work are not doing audits on them and pulling them from the phones and going over protocol with them. I don't know. Just do your job. Service with a smile. The machines are already taken over because when I disappeared for a minute, I was on the phone with customer service to get one person. And then at the end of the day, she says she's switching me to another team. The other team was a computer. And the computer told me if I need help, go online and do it there. And then hung up on me. Okay? So the, the, the agent is rude and the AI is rude. But they're taking our money, right? And then asked me for a survey. (laughs) (laughs) Did you do the survey? Oh, yes, I did. I hope you did. One, very unsatisfied for all the questions. And then they asked me to tell them why. And I told them why. I said, I called to speak to a representative, not your machine. Ah, boy. They, they need to use the AI to give up mortgages. Because one thing I realize, it's not racist yet. So before it, it becomes racist, they need to use it. So 
everybody can get the same mortgage rate. James, you know, somebody said that. I saw it on TikTok. Somebody said the same thing. Use AI technology to give out mortgages and level the playing field that way. And the reason they said it was in um, relation to this article where Joe Biden's people are complaining that you can't punish people who bust their ass to have good credit. Penali you're penalizing them for having good credit because now you want to charge them a higher mortgage rate. And then the person who, um, who is not as responsible with their credit, you want to give them a better rate. So the person was saying, level the playing field for everybody all across the board, where everybody, regardless of what your credit score is, you get the same mortgage rate. And then in the comments, people are saying, this is, this is where AI would come in handy because it's not going to um categorize you based on your race wow yeah that's that's what i observe with it, it like i i know it might change in the future but as of now it doesn't identify race and and it's not prejudice like it, it's like you know like say you go to the the system is like you know like a, a airport taxi line where mm -hmm. you, you go to the, the back of the line and and you're service according according to to where you are in the line like in in like a lot of it, it works like that in a lot of cases where like you can't skip the line and that's one of the main reasons like for liking it i don't really like it as much but you're not allowed to skip the line based on race based on um gender based on right, um, right. Your, your status and it doesn't identify so far like it, it's not it doesn't identify based on your race or your cultural or religious belief or whatever it but just, james like you know system. they can program it that way right so yeah, we will have yeah, to know how to, no. to <laughs> beat it no. we will have to know how to beat it though because expect them to program it for you it's going to ask you your demographic right and you're going to have to select it so we are going to have to be smart with it and say okay since i know that this demographic will get a better rate that's how i identify mm -hmm. we're just gonna have to be smart with it now all right so grandma did not pay taxes sorry go ahead go ahead before i move on go ahead somebody's mic opened up yeah, Chief, go I, right ahead Chief. that was me i was just gonna say i hate to bust your bubble but uh there is a sister who did a scientific study she is an ai expert I wish I could remember her name, but I'm sure you can find it. And she said, based on her her algorithm analysis and all the studies she did, AI does in fact carry bias, racial bias that is part of its programming. But that makes sense because who programs the AI? People. <laughs> exactly. So it's there. Mm. It's just it's in the form of bias. <laughs> it's not me talking the study has been done <laughs> yep i believe you i believe you all right so next up grandma did not pay taxes now her house is focus of a property rights test case the story is courtesy of npr Support for NPR comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. 
Getting behind on the bills is something a lot of people struggle with at one time or another. And today, the last day of oral arguments for the term, the U.S. Supreme Court will hear a case about this, or at least where that's a factor. It centers on a 94-year-old Minneapolis woman whose condominium was seized by Hennepin County because of unpaid property taxes. NPR Legal Affairs correspondent Nina Totenberg explains. Geraldine Tyler bought her condo in Minneapolis in 1999 and lived there until 2010 when, at age 81, she moved to a senior assisted living center at the urging of her children. After that, she stopped paying taxes on the condo, which she still owned. She does not dispute that the county repeatedly notified her that she risked losing the condo if she didn't pay up, and by 2015 she owed $15,000 in unpaid taxes, interest, and fees. Finally, the county took possession of the property under state law and sold the condo at auction for $40,000. But like at least a dozen other states, it did not pay Tyler the surplus, here $25,000 from the sale. Represented by the Pacific Legal Foundation, Tyler subsequently went to court, contending that by keeping the excess, the county had unconstitutionally taken her property. We call that home equity theft because it's essentially legalized to government theft. Lawyer Christina Martin concedes that the county had the right to take Tyler's property for non-payment of taxes, but... When the government takes more than it's owed, that's ultimately wrong and we believe it's unconstitutional unconstitutional, she says, because it is a taking of property without just compensation. But Hennepin County tells a very different story about the seizure of Geraldine Tyler's home. The county actually doesn't make a profit. The county doesn't even break even through its administration of the tax forfeiture laws. That's the county's lawyer, Rebecca Holsha. She notes that there are a variety of ways that homeowners can avoid forfeiture. The state has a payment plan that allows people to pay what they owe over a 10-year period. And for seniors like Tyler, there's a program allowing them to pay no more than 3% of their annual income. Holshaw says the county really would rather not be the default realtor. It doesn't want abandoned homes, which bring down property values, and it doesn't want to spend money to make a property sellable. And really, if somebody wants to pull their equity out of the property, the best way for them to do that is to sell the property themselves. She says that's why the state gives homeowners five years before forfeiture to either refinance their homes and pay back taxes or enter into a tax payment plan or sell the home and reap the profit. Indeed, the county asserts that Tyler had no equity in the home at the time of the forfeiture because she owed $48,000 on her mortgage and more than $11,000 in homeowners association fees, debts that were canceled under state law when the state declared the home forfeited for taxes. Again, Lawyer Holshaw. This is really a remedy of, of last result in which the title transfers to the state by default. Whoever's right, nobody disputes that losing a home can be devastating for families, and homeowners do tell some horrible tales elsewhere in the country. Tawana Hall and her husband moved out of Detroit to Southfield, Michigan, bought a rundown house, and began fixing it up. But the couple fell behind on tax payments, enrolled in a tax payment plan, and then fell behind again. The city subsequently took possession of the home and sold it to a developer for $1, who later sold it for $300,000. Former owner Tawana Hall. It's a roller coaster ride. Uh, 
we put a lot into it, and it was supposed to be our forever home and our children's home. The people most often harmed by these property forfeitures for back taxes are the elderly, sick, or the vulnerable. That said, this is the first time that the Supreme Court has directly considered whether a property tax forfeiture, something that the court has long upheld, can be considered a taking under the Constitution. If it is, that poses other questions. Would the county have to maximize the sale price, not just put the property up for public auction? What if nobody wanted to buy the property at the higher price? What if there were competing claims on the property? County and local government associations have filed briefs contending that such a system would add to urban blight while crippling local government property tax collection, the very system that finances local schools, fire and police protection, safe drinking water, and much more. A decision in the case is expected by summer. Nina Totenberg, NPR News, Washington. And <laughs> such a ripoff, if you ask me. So, I'm sorry, Moments, were you done? No, 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 go right ahead. That's all I had to say. So, I am the treasurer of my HOA in my community. And we have a few homeowners that aren't paying their taxes, aren't paying their HOA fees. But we reach out to them to offer help. Mm -hmm. If the help was available... Why didn't they help these people? That's, that's, that's the main thing for me. And how can you not say that if a woman only owed you $15,000 in taxes and you took her entire home, right, and sold it for an amount, and then you reaped whatever was left of it, that you're not making money? Mm-hmm. Because you can sell that home for any amount of money they didn't have to sell that home to the developer for a buck come on now Mm -hmm. they could have sold that home especially in the area because we all know or at least the government knows and the tax collector knows what our homes are worth so why did you decide to sell something for a dollar when you know something is worth 300k exactly that's on you because somebody is going to benefit and then turn around and sell it for $300,000. Exactly. So this story, for me, especially because I'm in it, makes no sense to me. They don't care. Yeah, that sounds really strange. It sounds like there's more to the story. It sounds like it it might be an imminent domain issue or some other something because that stuff like that usually happens when there's some eminent domain or some um mineral mineral thing you know with the land that somebody made an offer and threatened you know just basically tried to push you out of the prop off the property and yeah. and knowing you were in a predicament you know mm-hmm. but just, uh, that dollar thing is usually a governmental thing it's, it's some other entity involved where the government has an agreement with a corporation or something mm-hmm. like that it's called greed. It's called greed. Well, folks, it is that time. Um, unfortunately, we do have to wrap up. Not what I would like to do, but 
you know, when you think, when you hear stories like this, you feel as though you're being told, nobody move, this is a stick up, stick up. When this one called the volcano eruption, when you see in a 84 crowd of people, you know, man, I become new. It ain't nobody move, nobody get hurt. Nobody move, nobody get hurt. The youth them just a dress up in a white collar shirt. And some of them wear till it resemble dirt. He said, he want me to join the army. <laughs> I ain't gonna do it, officer. No way, I ain't gonna do it. Turn down to left pocket. I'm searching for a comb automatic. I'm searching if you have any ratchet. He said, what is your number? I didn't answer. What is your number? I still don't answer. What is your number, boy? I really don't answer. In crank up, in chopper. Me mama, then me started to answer. Guess what I say? 64, 46, BMW. What you want? 64, 46, BMW. Love. He said, give it to me one time. Give it to me two times. Give it to me three times. Gotta give a big thank you to everyone that tuned in online. The Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com. Thank you to everyone that tuned in to JanoRadio.com. It come from the planet of Earth. Gotta give a big thank you to everyone here with me on Clubhouse where the conversation happens. Without you, there is no conversation, I must say. Nobody get hurt. Nobody move. Thank you for carving out time out of your day to be with us. He want me to join the heart. Remember to tune in every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern for Coffee in Tow, World News on the Go. This is where I read the news and we share our views. Automatic. Always appreciate the great conversation filled with different views and perspectives and opinions, of course. Whatever you do, wherever you go, I do ask that you please be safe. To my listeners on QMZ Radio and Jano Radio, I will catch you tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Eastern. He said, give it to me one time. This was a Moments With Me media production. This is Moments With Me signing out. Give it to me three times. Lord, it ain't. Nobody move, nobody get hurt. Nobody move, nobody get hurt. Not the donion, cackle, not the donion dirt. He don't gang, cackle, not the donion dirt. He come from the planet.